there will now be a moment of silence meditation thank you please be seated The usual honorable members, please be settled and stay in the seat you are allocated um, and keep your mask on. The first item on the order paper is a motion in the name of the Chief Whip of the Majority Party. Chief Whip. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members. I move that uh, the House suspend Rule 290, subsection 2A, which provides inter alia that the debate on the second reading of a, the debate on the second reading of a bill may not commence before at least three working days have elapsed since the committee's report was tabled for the purpose of conducting the second reading today on the division of revenue, which is known as DORA, I so move. And now put the motion, are there any objections? Yes, Honorable Chief Whip of the Opposition. Deputy Speaker, I rise to say that in consultation with the, with the Chief Whip, she has consulted with all the other whips and we have come to the agreement that we agree with her decision and we have no problem with the, the lapsing of the rule. No objections agreed to. Thank you, Honorable Member. Uh, the Secretary will read the first order of the day. Consideration of report of Standing Committee on Appropriations on Division of Revenue Bill. Uh, Chief Whip. I now recognize the Chief Whip of the Majority Party from the Chamber. Honorable Chief Whip. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker and the August House, I move that the report be adopted. Thank you. The motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? House Chair, can you please note the adoption of the, the rejection of the EFF? Okay. Uh, we will note the objection, yes. House Chair, can you please note the objection of the DA? Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker. <laughs> Thank you. No, don't worry. It's a lapse that happens to Thank anyone. You. It's not about you. It's not about me. No, no. Thank no. you. Yeah. Deputy Speaker, the objection of FF Plus. Thank you very much. And the ICDP. Thank you, Deputy yes. Speaker. We will note those objections. Uh, it's agreed to. The Secretary will read the second order. Second reading debate, Division of Revenue Bill. Uh, uh, Honorable S.N. Butelezi. Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members, Honorable Ministers and Deputy Ministers, ladies and gentlemen. The African National Congress supports the Division of Revenue Bill B6-2022. I would also like to take at this stage to thank all those who have participated in ensuring that today we can stand in front of you and debate this bill. The Division of Revenue Bill is redistributive. 
about 59.4%, that is about 3.3 trillion rand over NTF, of the nationally raised revenue goes to the social wage, which is education, health, social development, and employment creation. This is meant to provide the much-needed safety net for the most vulnerable sections of our people, who are mostly black women, children, rural, township residents, and people living with disabilities. Also, rural provinces receive more funding per capita. For example, the per capita allocation in the Northern Cape is about 1.7 times when compared to Houding. Over the MTF, after budgeting for debt service costs, the contingency reserve and provisional allocation, national government receives 48.8%, provinces 41.4%, and local government 9.8% of nationally raised revenues. In 2022-23, the three spheres of government will share 1.66 trillion rand, 1.60 trillion rand in 2023-24, and 1.67 trillion rand in 2024-25. This is close to 5 trillion rand in the MTEF. This is the money which must ensure that the much-needed services are delivered to our people. Every cent of this money must be directed at enhancing inclusive economic growth, reducing poverty, unemployment, and equality. We agree with Comrade Kenimor Long when he argues, I quote, Parliament should move towards an outcome and impact assessment model of oversight, qualitatively different to how we are currently conducting oversight, unquote. This bill provides resources to the matching orders given by the President, His Excellency Honorable Ramaphosa, during SONA. The objective includes defeating COVID-19 infrastructure build, job creation, and expanding energy generation capacity. The bill gives financial resources to the three spheres of government to obtain these objectives. The President enjoins the nation to get into a social compact to work for the attainment of these objectives. We agree with the Honorable President that no individual, class or stratum of society working in silo will be able to achieve these national imperatives. Honorable members, COVID-19 has ravaged the lives of our people. Fathers and mothers have died, leaving thousands of orphans. This parliament has not been spared. Many businesses have closed. No wonder the high rates of unemployment, not just in our country, but all over the world. Introduction of special COVID-19 social relief of distress grant was initially meant as a relief for a few months. It was subsequently extended to the end of March 2022. However, the beneficiaries of this grant through their organizations and individually spoke to the government about the need to extend it. The ANC, whose mandate is based on the will of the people, listens. This bill also extends SRT grant for the next 12 months until the end of March 2023. This will come at a cost of 44 billion rand. Honourable members, the multiplier impact of this grant is bigger than 44 billion rand. Our people who receive this grant have a high propensity to spend. This money is not stashed under the beds or in the banks. This will protect farmers, bakeries, butchers, etc. Because more milli meal, many bags of flour will be bought. This will protect and create more jobs. This talks to the connection between firms and household. 21.1 billion rand is added to support provinces ongoing response to COVID-19 pandemic, mainly for the appointment of medical intents and community service doctors. Relative to 2021 budget, direct provincial allocations increase by 74.1 billion rand over the medium term. 
Local government allocation over the same period increases by a total of 30.7 billion rand. I'm mentioning these interventions to demonstrate that despite the economic and fiscal challenges, this ANC government will never forsake those who are vulnerable and victims of 350 years of apartheid and white minority misrule of our country. Oral members, we should applaud the fact that all these increases and allocations were effected without compromising our fiscal position. For instance, budget deficit decreased by 135.7 billion rand relative to the 2021 budget estimate. This means we'll borrow less than initially anticipated. Gross debt to GDP ratio expected to stabilize at 75.1% in 2024-25. Consolidated budget deficit decreasing from 6.6% in 2020. 22-23 to 4.2% in 2024-25. Uh, Indeed, our fiscal has shown a lot of resilience. Honourable members, in our attempt to get consensus and social compact, this government has also given some relief to business businesses. Through the tariffs, UIF has dispersed over 65 billion rand to both employers and employees. Comrade Zanelenko almost stressed the point on her debate when she said, I quote, reduction of CIT from 20, 28% to 27% should provide cross-fixed capital formation by private sector. This is important because over the years, fixed investment have been on the decline. However, the oral president speaks of trade-offs from everyone. He also says, quote, we have been taking extraordinary measures to enable businesses to grow and create jobs alongside expanded public employment and social protection, unquote. We are therefore calling on the private sector to reinvest their profits and disease from retrenchments, especially in a climate where there's a high rate of unemployment. The continued retrenchment of workers is a negative multiplier effect. Apart from decreasing disposable income, it also reduces tax base, resulting in less revenue for SARS. Can we see quid pro quo from business? Also calling on banks to be empathetic. Can they find a way of avoiding repossession of people's houses and cars who are temporarily out of employment? Honorable members, I still cannot understand why someone who has been religious in his or her bond repayment is easily evicted when he's temporarily out of the job. I guess this is the type of trade-off the president is talking about. Not supporting this bill Honourable members, what does it mean? It means that members will be saying no to employment of medical intents, no infrastructure bill, no 350 SRD grant, among others. That's what this means, honourable members. Giabo. Honourable members, I do wish to draw your attention to the uh, what we know in my list here, there are three columns. It's the, okay, that I want to focus on is the name of the party, the time allocated, uh, the speaker, and then the language. Now, surely we can only be speaking English in the house. I do wish to draw your attention to notify the table that you'll speak in which other language, except for uh, the FF plus, but the Baya Dejelek Makalakan and Africans, Prat and Angles. It's okay, Jaganoksu. So please let's do that. It's appropriate that we must be exemplary in the house because it contains in our laws and our own provisions for 
uh, proceeding. Please go ahead, Honorable Member. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, two years after the pandemic started, South Africans are poorer, more unemployed, and more unequal than ever before. The tide against poverty, unemployment, and inequality can only be turned when the government starts creating the right economic conditions for businesses to grow and therefore employment opportunities to increase. But to create this climate of economic growth, all three spheres of government needs to work. And this starts when the government spends and manages its share of the national revenue responsibly. The DA supports Budget 2022's commitment to provide support for the pandemic, job creation, and social protection. And we also welcome government's decision to use a portion of the unplanned revenue windfall to lower government debt and get South Africa out of our debt spiral. An urge that government debt stabilization must remain a priority. The DA would, however, like to caution against the budgeting for further excess revenue windfalls as these increases were probably temporary. We therefore advise the department to be proactive in terms of future budgeting and to, fund, to not fund commitments created by the allocation of this windfall. Deputy Speaker, if we want to get the economy moving again, it is critical that provincial and municipal governments improve their efficiency of spending and value for money for taxpayers. Although this year's div Division of Revenue of Bill allocates more money to provinces and municipalities than last year, we must not forget that these allocations were severely cut last year to help national government during the pandemic. The provincial and municipal spheres of government are responsible for the critical services and management of hospitals, the upkeeping of our roads, waste management, and the redistribution of electricity and water. Deputy Speaker, no small business can grow and employ more people if the local municipality and province in which they reside can't maintain the hospitals, roads or other basic services that every business and employer and employee in a business needs to grow. It is therefore also critical that we monitor, report and evaluate what and how government chooses to spend its revenue, especially as municipal ESCOM debt plagues local municipalities. Deputy Speaker, ESCOM municipal debt is now at 35.3 billion rand, which is a year-on-year -year rise of 26%. Local municipalities that owe ESCOM money contribute to the national energy crisis and should not be considered for any grants or national special funding. Fraud, corruption and fiscal mismanagement remain rampant. The government must take decisive and prompt action against the criminals in all spheres of government and not that, that robs the taxpayer, but ultimately contributes to making South Africans poorer, more unemployed and more unequal. We again call on government to send a clear message that corruption and the theft of state money and resources will not be tolerated, but not by making more speeches and threats, but by effective prosecution and sentencing of corrupt state officials. Deputy Speaker, South Africa can only recover and South Africans can only reach our true potential where government works and services are delivered. I thank you. Thank you.
Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, the EFF rejects the Division of Revenue Bill. The Division of Revenue Bill is one uh, of the most Sorry, important. sorry, Honourable Member. Honourable Members, please, uh, we can't go on like that. Surely you won't expect that yourself when you speak here, that all of us then engage in conversations as if you are not speaking. It's inappropriate, honorable members. Thank you very much. Go ahead, honorable Ntangwini. Thank, thank you, sir. I, I hope you will add that minute to my, to my minute that you just took. The Division of Revenue Bill is one of the most important pieces of the legislation in South Africa, and it's tabled by the Minister of Finance every year. The Division of Revenue Bill seeks to allocate money across all fears of government. The bill take, uh, takes the money that is, locate, uh, that is collected by SARS and allocates it between national, provincial, and local governments, and includes the kind, form, and character of all conditional grants. On paper, the bill is supposed to allocate money between fears of government between province and between municipalities in an equitable manner. However, the new liberal framework division of revenue bill is based on a falsehood. The bill is based on an idea that municipalities must collect the majority of their own revenue to deliver services and equitable share is only meant to sub, uh, supplement municipalities. Municipalities are supposed to charge for water, electricity, and collection of, of waste, and also charge residents for storage infrastructure. While this is true, for eight metro, uh, metropolitan municipalities, that are able to raise more than 80% of their income from their own revenues. The majority of local and district municipalities are in financial distress and bankrupt and do not deliver any services to our people. The National Treasury must guided assessment that municipalities currently charge less than the cost of services that creates a revenue gap is informed by a new liberal belief that government must operate like a commercial market basis. The idea that municipalities must operate like businesses is a, de a defunct belief that is used to guide National Treasury overall fiscal policy. There is no evidence to suggest that there is any effort to rethink the Division of Revenue Bill to fit South African material conditions, Mr. Butalesi. What are these conditions? Half of the adult population lives in poverty. More than 46% of adults' working population is willing, ready, and able to work and cannot find work regardless how desperately they look. We live in the most unequal society that continues to resemble the shape of apartheid. Deputy Speaker, allow us to deal with some of the features of the bill before the House. The prof Proposed Division of Revenue Bill allocates 49.7% to national departments, 41.2% to provinces, and only 9.1% to municipalities. This is a misguided allocation of resources. We must change the allocation formula and do away with the idea that municipalities must operate like companies and treat citizens like customers. We must position municipalities and all municipalities as industrial sites. Municipalities must build industrial hubs and take deeper, deep, 
tabulated buildings in Dimbazo, Buffalo City, Chichejo, Polokwane, and Bochabelo in Free State to rebuild these industries. Municipalities must set up their own abattoirs to help and buy food from local Black-owned livestock farmers. We must develop clear procurement guidelines to ensure that municipalities buy majority of goods they use from local producers. Municipalities must build internal capacity to deliver services. The time has arise for municipalities to abolish tender systems and insource cleaners, security guards, and other outsourced municipal workers, Mr. Butelezi. Municipalities must in establish construction companies buy and manage their own vehicles to collect waste and enforce bylaws and fix potholes. Municipalities must build trading spaces. If shop rights, spa, pick and pay, cash build, you name it, and other big retailers continue to deny our people retail space. Municipalities must have a town planning program based on a land audit, a clear municipal and land reform plan, and a practical plan to formalize all informal settlements. Municipalities, finally, municipalities must provide basic services to the poor families, even when it doesn't depend on their ability to pay these services. There are subsidies for each indigenous household that is supposed to ensure that our people receive free electricity, water and sanitation and waste removal. But there's no research that is showing that this model is failing. There must be... Uh, Honourable Member, your time has expired. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, you took some no, of my no, minutes. No, no. Jenna. Honorable member, you don't debate that. You don't. You don't Deputy debate Speaker? that. Your time has expired. Deputy Speaker. But... Yes, Honorable Mautwe. Yeah, I just wanted to check if you've added that minute on Commissioner. There was Tashi. no minute here available for saving and giving to you afterwards. When I speak as a presiding officer, the watch is stopped. Please don't but raise that issue again. You like to do it. You like no, to do just it. get away, honorable members. You are wasting time. Honorable Butelezi. I mean, honorable uh, Butelezi, are you able to connect? But honorable Butelezi already spoke. Honorable Butelezi. Uh, uh, Honourable, uh, Honourable Deputy uh, Speaker, uh, please go ahead and speak on our be on the behalf of the member. Yeah. Thank you, uh, uh, Honour. No, no, Honourable Kabekulu, I gave you the space to speak. Thank you, uh, Deputy Chief. Um, our members, the member uh, is has difficulty to connect. This is why Honourable the Minister of is standing in. For the Minister of Finance has yet again failed to address the most urgent needs of, the, of our people. This is outlined in the report of the Senate Committee on Appropriations on the Division of Revenue Bills for 2022. Considering the report by the Standing Committee, the Minister of Finance has missed an opportunity to make a political statement that National Treasury is willing to afford local government greater financial assistance. It seems that uh, our appeals, not, as, not just as IFP, but as all parties who make up uh, the opposition benches in this house, simple fall on deaf ears.
indeed, Chairperson, we are mindful of government's uh, overall financial constraints as revenue collected mostly goes to uh, servicing our debt. However, sizable amounts of uh, sizable amount into the billions uh, continue to go to failing state-owned enterprises and redundant uh, uh, national government departments which uh, merely serve an, an administrative role. When we say that a government neglects local government, it, it is because every year, Dora or Alfred Dora, we sit with a same situation where provinces and national departments take the biggest slice of the cake. Local government remains undercapitalized and underfunded. The Division of Revenue simply flies in the face of the principle of cooperative governance and is not just is not a just, fair, and equitable uh, distribution of uh, finances. It is no secret that uh, local government is in the sphere of government that most South Africans engage with daily. It is therefore imperative that uh, we ensure local governments are empowered to deliver beyond their basic mandate of providing water and electricity to residents. Chairperson, local government is best placed uh, to encourage entrepreneurial activity and to focus on cooperative, whether they be agricultural, textile, women-led, or for youth empowerment. Furthermore, the IFP calls on all departments to ensure proper checks and balances are in place. In doing so, it will stop the leakages in the system that drain our hard-end tax monies. The impact of all allocations as outlined in the Division of Revenue Bill should be seen in people's lives and it should be changing their lives for better. We want tangible results which uh, provide the best value for money. Chair, in closing, we want to see perpetrators, colluders, criminals and corrupt officials behind bars. South Africa, South Africans are disparate and are getting increasingly anxious uh, that nothing is being done. A strong message must be uh, sent that uh, stealing from uh, the state will be dealt with using the, the full might of the law. We therefore welcome the increase in allocation for justice, improving, improving policy, and all our law enforcement agencies. We hope that government will consider our appeals with the uh, with that aside, the IFP supports this report. I thank you. Thank you, sir. Honorable Priet. Thank you, Speaker. The Division of Revenue has always been a highly debated topic with multiple opinions. In the years leading to this, a number of factors have raised concern and many more arguments have been had. The most notorious set of the formula that calculates the division. Conditional grants, rollovers, ring fencing uh, remain subjects for discussion, but the greatest concern is the state of our municipalities when taking all of this into account. Furthermore, the problems do not end there. The problem with the Division of Revenue is that due to its concurrencies, proper oversight and consequence management is never done. In-depth monitoring and evaluation does not take place and this allows municipalities to get away with murder, so to speak. 
It merely becomes a blame shifting competition between the different spheres of government. During the 2020-21 financial year, there was a significant increase in the number of municipalities with funded budgets due to treasury withholding transfers and less budgets were funded. What has now reared its evil head is municipalities that choose not to take treasury's advice into consideration. Half of all municipalities in South Africa have adopted unfunded budgets. This is worse than in prior years. Deputy Speaker, what this means is that these municipalities' expenditure, the money they use, is expected to exceed their projected revenue, the money they receive. This is also in direct contravention of the Municipal Finance Management Act, but it gets worse still. Even though municipalities adopted regulatory frameworks, they were still struggling to satisfy basic service needs. What I've seen in the Free State, one of the provinces with the highest number of municipalities with unfunded budgets, is the way that municipalities expected income. Some have never had rates and tax collection rates above 63%, yet budget collection, they budget for rates of 75%. And it doesn't end there. In the Free State particularly, but not limited to the province, the ruling party, also the ruling party in this house, have no regard for laws. These budgets are merely pushed through by the majority. We cannot continue like this. A positive is the change that the formula has made. Whether these are the correct changes and whether we will see a positive turn in our provinces remains to be seen. ECDs are finally being moved back to basic education, a process that has been years in the making. Targets are claimed and funds allocated, but never are the real questions being asked. I can preach the importance of early childhood development as myself and colleagues have done multiple times, but we all know these are the most critical years in a child's development and are seriously lacking in South Africa. Do we give early childhood development the attention and money it needs and deserves? I think not. In Afrikaans is daar a saying, al draa op a gouwerin, dit is en bly a lelike ding. To rename the Provincial Disaster Re 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 Relief Grant um, to the Provincial Disaster Response Grant to align it to NDMC processes will not change what is fundamentally wrong with this grant. It will not suddenly make the problems experienced magically disappear. We need to have an entire rethink on how disaster relief grants work, how they are applied for, and what is the best way to see change effected on the ground. And I can continue with EPWP allocations to name but one. Chairperson, the fact of the matter is, we can allocate to the different programs whatever we want, but unless we take responsibility, ensure proper oversight, monitoring and evaluation, and follow that up with harsh consequence management, all this is, is a government wish list that will never be anything more than a wish. I thank you. Uh, let's give to Honourable Steve Swart. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. The ACDP notes the additional allocations to provinces and municipalities, 74.1 billion and 30.7 billion over the medium term. This follows the sharp decreases last year. We share concerns expressed by other speakers about the poor governance, financial mismanagement and insufficient capacity in many municipalities. It is estimated that a staggering 232 billion is owed to municipalities by consumers. And this is up from 165 billion two years ago. 
The number of municipalities in financial distress has risen alarmingly from 86 in 2013-14 to a staggering 175 in 2019-20. Now, the inevitable consequences is potholes, broken water and sewage works, electrical breakdowns, crumbling municipal clinics and other service delivery failures. The committee expresses its concerns in the report in this regard reiterating the lack of consequence management within local government, an issue it says it has raised many times with Selga. Now, the ACDP cannot in good conscience support this additional allocation, given the shocking state of many municipalities, until there is good stewardship and a substantial improvement in these municipalities. As far as provinces are concerned, the ACDP notes the proposed 15.6 billion to the provincial equitable share to support provincial departments of health to, quote, continue responding to the COVID-19 pandemic and to reduce the impact of budget reductions on essential medical goods and services. Now, we all know that public health care is in a shocking state in many provinces. And on this World Tuberculosis Day, the ACDP remains concerned that life-threatening diseases such as tuberculosis, HIV and AIDS, chronic heart diseases and other illnesses, which are largely treatable, have not received the same attention or funding as that in dealing with COVID-19. And while not detracting from the seriousness of COVID-19, yesterday there were thankfully no COVID-19 related deaths. This is to be celebrated. Yet on average, more than 1,000 people would have died of these largely treatable other diseases. It is largely due to immunity, uh, which up to 80% uh, of South Africans have. Don't scream back at the member. Allow him to finish. You'll to make context. your point to him outside. No, 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 outside, not here. Don't scream. Uh, point of order, order, Chair. Chair, your... point of order. Yes, what's the point That's of order? Member Wayne Tring here, Chair. Yes. Uh, Chair, there's one of the members from uh, the ANC Yes. Who, who shouted out that our member, Honorable Swartz, is a hypocrite. Yes. Uh, that member needs to withdraw it, because if anything, he's a man who speaks the truth. Uh, and Honorable I think the truth hurts when it is spoken from the, uh, from the uh, podium, yeah. Chair. Thank you. Honorable member, uh, please, this is why I'm suggesting you stop uh, screaming at each other. You are going to slide into using rich vocabulary that's not allowed in the House. But that one is not one of them. Please don't do that. Uh, Honorable member, please go ahead. Thank you. To contextualize this further, the World Health Organization states that 61,000 people died of tuberculosis in 2020. And if one assumes that same figure for last year, 2021, that will mean approximately 122,000 people died of tuberculosis in those two years, far higher than the number of COVID-19 related deaths. And the ACDP, whilst looking into this Division of Revenue Bill, will also call on government on this World Tuberculosis Day to give equal attention, if not more attention, and funding to other diseases as well. I thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Honorable Kwangwa. Deputy Speaker, I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that I've left my rich vocabulary at home. And 
Section 214 of the Constitution requires that the division of revenue determines the equitable division of nationally raised revenue among the three fears of government. Colleagues, I regret to inform you that despite what the Constitution requires of this House, there's nothing equitable about South Africa's division of revenue. We have been harping on this point since I became a member of Parliament that nowhere is this more evident than in the fact that municipalities continue to get a minuscule 10% of the total revenue, despite municipalities being at the cold face of service de delivery. We are afraid that we cannot celebrate amelioration such as the 10.3%, which you have cited as an increase in government, in the local government's share, because it does not take away the problem. To make matters worse, former Minister of Finance, uh, Finance Tito Mboweni, Lowebil Chadwin, according to him, out of 278 municipalities, South Africa's 163 were in financial distress, 40 were battling to deliver basic services, 102 had adopted budgets for 2021-2022 that they could not fund. He also said, and I quote, a growing number of municipalities around the country are also failing to collect revenue from businesses and residents for water, electricity, and property taxes, and so on, meaning there are serious capacity challenges at local government level, which have to be addressed, but also the funding model is a problem. It means per head. Uguti abandu be rural provinces, Bafmani Mali, Emong, and Logo, India's just born in Bugan. Now, the problem is because of urbanization. That's why people have left rural provinces, Basukabazongena, up, because the rural provinces and economies have completely collapsed because of your government. The other issue is the reduction of corporate income tax, which is a problem. You can defend it here as the ANC, a party that once used to be a social democratic party. Even the Minister of Finance responding to my question said at one point that if you take reducive debt by 1%, you lose 30 billion rands. But he could not demonstrate or provide empirical evidence of how much revenue is in Krisangayo, a South African revenue, if you reduce the corporate income tax. No one has actually indicated to us how much revenue are we also going to lose. The other issue is this social distress grant. Businesses will formal sector. Because I you don't do due diligence. Honorable member. Honorable speaker, is that not a creative language? Uh, the honorable member is persistent. He does it every day, and we've spoken to him about it. Uh, it will be addressed appropriately. Uh, honorable members, the clock here on your left, Honorable Kwangwa, is designed for you. It's in big letters. You can't claim you didn't see that your time has expired. So if you proceed in spite of the clock telling you your time has expired, you are defying your own rules. It's not good. 
You are not exemplar. <clears throat> no, I'm not inviting you to speak, honorable member, please. No, I want to apologize. I didn't hear you, David, speak. Yeah, no, but you mustn't do that again, please. Uh, and anyone members who may want to... Uh, On a point of order, David, uh, Appoint speaking. yourself. Uh, On a point uh, of there's order, only David. one timekeeper at a time in the house. On a point of order, oh, Deputy Speaker. What's the point of order? Deputy Speaker, then there must be a, a, a timekeeper also for the virtual platform because we don't know whether you are you are you you are misleading us or what because you took you you just you called a point of order to calm the members of the ANC down. Take Honorable, a minute because I have practiced my speech and it's Honorable, within my five minutes, and you took a minute from Honorable, my from my speech. Honorable so you Kambwini. need to do it also on the visual platform, sir. Honorable Nkangwini, uh, what that? I'm, af I'm afraid that your trust problem are not going to advance. <laughs> hey, I have trust issues with you. you. Honorable member, honorable I have trust member, issues with you. Honorable member, and stop talking when a presiding oh. officer is talking. What's wrong with you? Why do you guys assume that you have authority to speak as when you are being addressed? The rules are explicit, even you in the house. Can we be respectful for your own rules, all of you members? And please don't assume that we enjoy doing what we are doing right now. It's not okay. It's not okay. Please. Uh, ATM. Uh, good. Thank you, uh, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, our number one priority must be to address the pervasive and pernicious poverty that is endemic across our country. We will address this poverty by growing our economy in the right sectors, creating jobs, and providing social security for those without an income. Balancing our budget, reducing our deficit, and turning our anemic growth projections around are crucial. We will not create enough jobs to make a meaningful impact on unemployment unless we get our economic growth up to at least 3% per annum. The projected growth rates for the medium term, hovering just below 2%, are not acceptable, and our government should not settle for that level of growth. If the Russian war on Ukraine is not resolved quickly, our economic growth could fall to below 1% per annum in the medium term. So our government has a duty to ensure that this does not happen. And if our government um, sees its role as a role of mediator in this conflict, then we need them to act quickly to, to implement their, their role as a mediator. Deputy Speaker, we welcome the emphasis on infrastructure-led economic growth. All of our governments, including provincial and local, should be focusing on the historical underdevelopment of infrastructure in some cities and the infrastructure deficits and backlogs that have grown as we and developed. Rolling out infrastructure Deputy Speaker, someone else speaking. Yes, and I was telling her to switch it off. Go ahead, Honorable Aaron. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Deputy Speaker, all of our governments, including provincial and local governments, should be focusing on the historical underdevelopment of infrastructure in some communities, 
and the infrastructure deficits and backlogs that have grown as we've urbanized and developed. Rolling out large-scale infrastructure programs is an investment in our economy, an investment in our people's lived experiences, and an opportunity to create significant numbers of jobs. Small business and self-employment presents the greatest opportunity for us to reduce unemployment. And some analysis concludes that we can halve our unemployment rate if we were to achieve the same levels of self-employment as our peer countries. The bounce back financing scheme appears to prioritize existing businesses whose revenue and cash flows were affected by the pandemic. We need funding for those who have the idea, the passion and the courage to start their own business. The greatest obstacle to self-employment and small business growth is not red tape, it is access to startup funding. Finally, Deputy Speaker, we cannot ignore the third cog in the wheel of addressing poverty, the provision of some income to those who have no income because they cannot find a job, they cannot create a job, and they don't qualify for any of the current Social Security cash transfers. Deputy Speaker, we have to be honest with ourselves. We are not extending the 350, million, 350 rand per month social relief grant for 12 months. That grant can never be taken away. We have 10 million people who are currently relying on it. We will not easily survive the socio-economic shock of cancelling access to that grant. We support the bill, but we urge Treasury to stop planning for this allocation as temporary. Honourable Hiron, your time has expired. Thank you, sir. Uh, Sheikh Imam, Honourable. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. Let me at the very outset say the National Freedom Party supports the Division of Revenue Amendment Bill tabled here today. <laughs> However, Deputy Speaker, allow me to raise a serious concern. We all know that South African Airways was the pride and joy of South Africa. Now, the secrecy around the disposal of the 51% of the South African airways is deeply concerning. More importantly, the fact that national treasury has not been consulted, the actual custodians of our financial resources and our assets, really it is a matter, Deputy Speaker, that we need to address. Now, a lot of my colleagues have spoken about local government equitable share, and I agree with you. A lot more needs to be done. But the question we also need to ask is what is local government giving back to the people? Let me give you an ideal example of a lack of accountability. When a municipality can spend 5 million rand on a breakfast, but not able to provide water for three years to the people in Igudu in Zululand. Now that's an abuse of power, abuse of taxpayers' resources. So the equitable share that is being given to municipalities simply means it's being abused. That's what is happening. When there's no accountability measures in place where a municipality, without any authority, with no need whatsoever to interfere in internal battles in political parties, decide to spend hundreds of thousands of rand in legal costs when it does not in involve you whatsoever. Wasteful taxpayers' money. That is the reason why you cannot provide water to people for three years. That's the reason for it. 
Now, if you want to know where I'm talking about the Zululand District Municipality, that's what I'm talking about. Let us welcome the decision by the president to acknowledge uh, our latest king, Mr. Zulu, and the 66 million rand that has now been released to the kingdom. Honorable Deputy Speaker, <clears throat> the National Freedom Party has made some submissions and our chairperson of Standing Committee of Appropriation is here to acknowledge that. We need greater accountability. We need a more transparent and credible process, particularly with procurement. We need to be, ensure an equitable distribution of the work that is allocated to the private sector, not just to a few people that must benefit at local level as well, and provincial level and national level. Uh, we are asking Imam National Treasury to give us Sheikh. a report every Honourable quarter. Imam. Sheikh Imam, yes. look at the clock, sir. Oh, no, I wasn't there. Sorry. I apologize. Please. Thank Please. you very much. The National Freedom Party supports your report table here today. Honorable Dikhale. Uh, Honorable Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members, Honorable Ministers and Deputy Ministers, fellow South Africans. Let me start by wishing you a belated, a happy Human Rights Day. In the same breath, remind you, honorable members, that with high rates of poverty, unemployment and inequality, human rights will remain elusive for the majority of people of this country, especially the victims of centuries of oppression and repression of black people by successive white minority government. It is thus incumbent upon us to work tirelessly to reverse this man-made hardships of our people by, among others, ensuring that our people have affordable access to water, electricity, housing, health, and education. We should avoid at all costs to normalize what is abnormal, that is poverty. But before I proceed, let me state that the ANC supports the Division of Revenue Bill because it is pro-poor attempts to roll back the frontiers of poverty inequality, homelessness, and unemployment. Deputy Speaker, the bill allocates 9.1% of nationally raised revenue to local government. This is a huge increase when you compare with allocation of 7.5% in 2008, 2009. This number increases to 9.8% in 2024, 2025. This shows that the ANC listens and responds to the issues raised by among others, SALGA, who has over the years argued for more allocations to local government. The importance of this sphere of government cannot be overemphasized. The president, His Excellency, Mr. Ramaphosa, stresses this point when he says, open quote, local government is where you can make the biggest differences in the lives of our people, close quote. By providing reliable water supply, sanitation, energy and refuse services, and through road and infrastructure maintenance, local government enables our economy to grow and create employment. Honorable members, the local government equitable share and conditions grants add on the revenue that local governments are expected to raise them.
Chair, uh, Deputy Speaker, on a point of order. Honourable members, we can't hear on the virtual platform. Deputy Honourable Speaker. Members. Honourable members, it's Tanya Lines. We are being reconnected to the chamber. Honorable Deputy Speaker, we can't hear. There is no sound whatsoever. They, they are aware. They are aware. Well they are aware. They are aware. We're trying to sort it. It's been attended to, okay. Now we hear the deputy speaker. Are you able to hear now? Yes, deputy speaker, we hear you. Yes, we can, deputy speaker, we can. Thank you very much. Go ahead, Honorable Dikhali. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. Absolutely, you are right. We welcome the total of 1 billion rands that is added to the direct regional bulk infrastructure grant for George local municipality to implement water security and remedial works project. We also urge the municipality to ensure that this project is completed within allocated budget and time frame. This is important for service delivery and provision of jobs which our people need. KZN gets an allocation of 26 million rents and 321 million rents in the two financial years respectively through the municipal disaster recovery grant to deal with the effects of the damage to infrastructure and homes uh, occasioned by the floods. In this regards, we agree with Salga when they say these responses take a long time. They are calling for more speed and agility to respond to these disasters. Let us not be caught in bureaucracy. We, we have raised uh, concerns about certain municipalities who have not been able to use PTNG grant. This has resulted in National Treasury withdraw withdrawing those funds in the regard we are calling on Department of Transport, National Treasury and municipalities concerned to come with implementable plans with strict time frames to ensure that these projects are implemented. This should be done without further delay. The Department of Planning, Monitoring and Evaluation should come closer to these grants and ensure they are effectively and efficiently utilized and other people receive the much needed services. 
Honorable members, we also note with concern the rescheduling of PTNG grant by the city of Cape Town. This practice led to the decrease of PTNG grant by 859 million rands in 2022, 2023, and 2023-2024, meant for my city project. Although this makes the books look good. At the end of the day, the people of Kailicha, Nyanga, Bontayuvel, and are denied the services. Also, the job opportunities, which must come from the infrastructure project, are also delayed. This is completely unacceptable. Also, honorable members, let us remember that transfers from national government are meant to subsidize services provided to poor households. These transfers are not meant to compensate for low revenue collection for those who can pay. We call on municipalities to enforce credit control measures where revenue is not paid. Municipalities are owed over 261 billion rands, national and provincial government owe municipalities over 20 billion rands, while business owe whopping 54.2 billion rands. This has an unfortunate domino effect. Municipalities cannot pay their creditors like water boards and ESCOM. Even more worrying and painful is that this denies the poorest of the poor the most needed basic services. The committee therefore implores all departments first and foremost to pay their bills. Uh, this parliament passes budgets which include monies to pay the bills. We therefore do not understand why they are not paid. We are also calling on the respective portfolio committees as their oversight responsibilities to follow up on this matter. Business should pay their bills on, on time. The failure to pay renders our municipalities dysfunctional. Honorable members, allocating resources to municipalities through equitable share and conditional grants is very important. But even more important is ensuring that the money is used for what is designed to do. The resources which they, this house make available through the DORA are meant for the people and nothing else. At the end of the day, the honorable members and people of South Africa want to see the impact of this uh, resources failure to account Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Speaker. Honorable Jafka. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. The division of revenue bill takes to Picks, uh, the division of revenue bill picks revenue allocation on equitable balance between the three spheres of government. The division of revenue between the spheres of government takes into account service delivery needs, departmentally shared mandates, priorities, and variety of socioeconomic considerations. It is perhaps fitting at this point to highlight that our GDP growth ratio has been revised downwards to, to less than 2%. The unemployment rate, according to the expanded definition of unemployment, increased by 2,2 percentage points to 46,6% as that's SA reported. This record exposes the limitation of this revenue bill in the main because one, the Local government still receives a small chunk of budget despite being at the coal phase of service delivery. Two, furthermore, given the high rate of unelected as ratepayers will default on their municipal bills, 
trade, the funding of early child development across nine provinces remain uneven in terms of parity of payments and therefore leads, leads into uneven distribution of skills. Honorable members, our main concern is that provincial departments are not meaningfully working with SALGA to see to it that the spirit of district development plan is carried through. The recurring failure of departments to submit financial statements must also be tackled. We cannot continuously have rollovers when basic resources to the poor have not been provided. When there are rollovers and when provinces do not spend housing budget, national treasury must intervene. Honorable Deputy Speaker, the Audit Management uh, Amendment Act has unfortunately not helped us to rid of wasteful, unauthorized and fruitless expenditure. Unless there is consequence management, the allocation of resources to government departments and their entities will remain hollow. By the way, we'll support the bill. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Madisha. Um, what we are faced with is a, a song. Each and every year we rise, we stand here, clap hands, and say the bill is right or the bill is not correct. But what I want to emphasize is that we must follow the truth and indicate that the people of South Africa need the necessary. They need the necessary. Allow me to use they uh, that. Allow, they, they want the necessary. They exactly. The necessary. Because you don't know the necessary. That's why you can rise and say that. Okay. They need food. They don't have food. They need education. They need all the basics. That is what the people of South Africa want. They need jobs. There are no jobs. Everything that is being said here is something that is being said each and every year. Hence, I say it has now become a song that we shall come here and sing each and every year. The people of South Africa uh, are not happy. Why? Because if you were to, like you are doing in any way, continue to give them only 350 rand every month, they cannot uh, actually survive. They can't survive because they can't buy food for a month using that particular uh, amount of money. We have in South Africa more than 700 um, SOEs, most of which are absolutely not important. But all those particular SOEs are getting lots and lots of money from these bills that you are talking about. And it is just extremely uh, useless. We are going to be discussing many of them as we go on uh, with the uh, bills, the budget, etc. But the fact is that very many of them are just useless. Money is getting lost. Even all of us here don't know even some of those particular uh, SOEs. But we go on and say they must get money. The people of South Africa must go on uh, hungrily. The provinces, you know, when we started with the 
new government, when we went to negotiations, for those of you who were not there, when we went to Cordesa, we said that the provinces must be there. Why? Because of there had to be a compromise. We had to say that there must be a, a compromise. That's why you have uh, this kind of thing. Yes, I was there before you came in for more than 30 years. We went there. Now, 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 there was no cope. There was no cope. Now, there is no accountability, order, be order. it in order. the... Order. Your teaching lesson is over, sir. Thank you. Order. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no, they reminded... No, no, honorable members, you just reminded him of his position, yeah. Honorable members, PAC... Teaching a wrong curriculum. Order. Order, Honorable Madisha. Honorable Chief Whip. Order. <clears throat> Honorable, Honorable Speaker, the PAC is not singing today. Okay, all right. Thank you, sir, for letting us know. Uh, Honorable Sarupen. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Deputy Speaker. Mr. Deputy Speaker, I'm very disturbed by what I heard from the members of the governing party in this debate today. And let me start with Honorable Dekhale. She spoke about the PTNG. Speaker, we shall not disturb when we shall not disturb all the time. Speaker, I was uh, I'm i want to appeal that uh, ICT people can they look at the sound because we can't hear them properly. It's like they are in a hole. Uh, it's been attended to. It's been attended to. Okay, well, go go ahead, Honorable Sarupen. Speak. I hope it doesn't affect my time. As I said, I was disturbed at what I heard from. Please don't worry about time, please, members, yes. all of you. Don't talk about time. We've got the clock here, which we are running. Why do you assume that we don't have a comprehension of such a simple idea? Please, no, man. Don't insult us. Just go ahead and speak. We'll Thank give you, you the time you deserve. So, thank you. There was a contradiction between what was said here today and what was said in committee on the PTNG grant. The ANC members of the appropriate... Uh, just pause, just pause. Uh, ICT, try, and honorable members, it's okay. Please leave it in our hands. Uh, thank you for giving us feedback, but you don't have to scream about it. Kindly, uh, don't do that. If it was that easy, we wouldn't be sitting here saying what we are saying. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, please, uh, please tell us to proceed if you are ready. Is that okay? Honorable Surupun, try to speak so that we hear. Chairperson, sorry, Deputy Speaker, I hope you can hear me more clearly now. Yeah, we can hear you now. Please go ahead. Thank you very much. So, there's a contradiction between what ANC members say in the committee and in the House. On the PTNG grant, the city of Cape Town came to the committee and showed us how they actually saved money by properly planning and that they were efficient in, the, in their meeting their targets and achieved a massive cost savings to the project. They were praised by the Department of Transport 
and national treasury. And they were even thanked for freeing money for other municipalities. And today we have ANC members condemning the city of Cape Town for making more money available for other municipalities while fulfilling their, their budget targets. And the My City bus route has 13 stops across Kyalicha alone. So to say that it does not stop in Kyalicha, as was said in the debate today, is completely a fabrication and not aligned with reality. So that's problem number one. The second problem is that Honorable Bertolesi concluded his speech by telling us that if we don't support this bill, we don't support infrastructure, we don't support a 350 rand grant, we don't support all sorts of other things. And that's also not true because this bill is the Division of Revenue Bill. Those proposals are contained in the Appropriations Bill. The Division of Revenue Bill slices the pie for provinces and local municipalities. The EFF member even made this point. So to say that to vote against this bill is to be voting against the 350 rand social relief of distress grant is not congruent with reality. So we must debate the correct bills when we come to this house. We can save that debate for the appropriations bill in the next quarter. But not supporting this bill means you don't support corruption. It means you are against the collapse of services, and it means that you're against extremist policies. And this particular bill does help in undoing some of the problems the last year's Division of Revenue Bill, which I described as a slash and burn budget, because it slashed a lot of frontline services in healthcare and education from provinces. Two-thirds of the budget spent by provinces approximately are spent in healthcare and education. And last year, because national ministers didn't want their cuts to their own departments, they sacrificed services like healthcare and education delivered by provinces. This begins to correct it, and I believe it's because we've got a finance minister who appears to take his job seriously and who actually cares about the state of this country. But when you consider that provinces, eight provinces combined, have overspent by an estimated 20 billion rand last year, it's almost totaling the additional amount of money allocated this year. And so we're not fixing the fundamental problem. And that is we're not going to get healthcare and education back up to where it should be. And the allocation to provinces for health and education are still below what they would have been in the pre-COVID-19 projections, even though national government slice is higher. And we've seen a long-term trend towards cutting grants allocated to provinces and local governments to fund pet projects by national ministers. As for local governments, 68% of them are in distress and services are collapsing. The free state is illustrative of this. In Manga'um, one of only two metros still with an ANC majority government, it has collapsed to the point where for most of this week, municipality has not had any water and refuse trucks are set light and service delivery process as a consequence of that. And now there's no refuse removal. This is a city of 600,000 people that cannot provide water. It is a massive disaster. Water is life. And not a single free state municipality has achieved a clean or positive audit outcome since 2016. The biggest debt escom from municipalities is from the free states. And before the change of government last year, Maluti Apafong had not paid a cent of his 5.4 billion rand debt to ESCOM. Majibeng has collapsed to the point where it's reverted to the Stone Age barter system, where it traded 2.5 billion rands worth of land Your time has expired, sir. Thank you very much. Honorable Kaiso. Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Speaker. Uh, 
Honorable Madisa, you should have known better while uh, you were president of COSATO and you decided to run away from a democratic revolutionary movement and it took a, a, a detour to a reactionary organization. And then you come and ask uh, that there was a sold out at the CODESA level. Thank you very much, Deputy uh, Speaker. The African National Congress unequivocally supports the 2022 Division of Revenue. This year's budget waters the seeds for economic renewal and growth. We are confident that through this budget, the seeds of renewal and growth will bear fruit in, in due season. The 2022 Division of Revenue demonstrates the caring nature of government and it is redistributive as it seeks to protect lives and livelihoods of the most vulnerable. We must never forget our humanity and should also put the people before the profit, profit maximization. The province, the response of government to the deadly coronavirus must be uploaded whilst the virus is still with us and will continue to be with us in, in, in near future. The government is intelligently navigating the process of economic recovery and saving lives. Those who believe that we would not be able to secure sufficient vaccines for our people should be, should, should be hanging their heads in shame. Today, we are not debating whether there are enough vaccines, but trying to persuade people to get vaccinated, including those who are using religion to abdicate their responsibility. Credit must be given where it is due. Anyone who says this is not a caring government would be dishonest. We welcome an extension of 350 social relief distress. Honorable Nkwangwa, Nabawa Pais, Lalin, Bayam, Kela, Lontole, Bangabawias. So we welcome that extension of 350 social relief of distress grant for a period of 20, 12 months at an estimated cost of. 44 billion runs. This stimulus will increase aggregate demands and contribute towards the growth of our economy. Over and above, this, is, this provides the much needed relief to poor and unemployment uh, individuals. So the progressive interventions by the ANC government in response to the pandemic have shown without a doubt the important role that the state plays and should continue to play in the revitalizing our economy. We simply cannot leave everything to the invisible hand of the market, as some opposition parties believe. The fact of the matter is that the market will not correct past injustice and structural uh, imbalances of the past without the deliberation, deliberate intervention of the government in the economy. Transformation will, will forever remain in a pipe dream. So the provincial allocations over the medium term expenditure framework increases from 41.2% in 2022-23 to 41.4% as part of presidential employment initiative. As proposed, a total of 12.7 billion is added to the provincial education department to continue hiring assistants in schools as part of presidential employment initiative. This will uh, have a huge mitigating impact on unemployment levels and give particularly 
young people work experience. So 3.3 billion is added to the human resource and training grant to address funding of scholar of shortfall for medical interns and community service doctors. A total of 24.6 billion is added to the provincial equitable share to support provincial education departments. A proposal, uh, a proposed total of 1 billion rand for the 2022-23 uh, uh, financial year to the COVID component of district health program uh, grant to fund the con uh, continuation of the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. A further 398 million in 2022-23 and 475 million over the uh, financial year 23-24 period of humans uh, for human settlement development grant will contribute to the transformation of the apartheid spatial development and make our and make our cities more inclusive, not what is happening here in Cape Town. 471 million to the educational infrastructure grant and 784 million to the provincial roads maintenance grant. We must emphasize here to Peter Speaker that that money that is being which is budgeted and supposed to be used for uh, provincial rules maintenance grant, it's supposed to, uh, supposed to be used such that it is not returned to treasure. I'm referring to even to a road such as the one at Volmaranstadt and 12 and 8, and, and which are in a very bad state. So we cannot have the money that is being returned to treasury whilst we're having uh, such challenges. So the investment infrastructure is integrated into this allocation, which is critical driver to the economic recovery plan. <clears throat> so the fact that the DA is racist policy, is racist policy, is racist policies refuse to extend basic services to poor people in Kukuletu, in, in, in Mission's Plain and college. So yeah, the national hey. government makes available resources, whereas the national government is making resources for UTA here in Cape Town. So you continue with those racist policies such that you exclude black people in the Western Cape. Order, order, honorable So members. you are perfecting your separate development of the adherent folk in the Western Cape. So... So I want to want to see that situation uh, being being brought to an end. So you, you what do you do now in the in these two cities? In one one of the privileged who are mainly white that is provided with all services, and another for the black majority which is neglected, and live in a squalid and abject poverty. You even refuse to extend transport services to black people. You would rather return money to treasury that, that give what our government offers to you, uh, to the poor. You have absolutely no shame. So, so in conclusion, Chair, uh, building a developmental state requires the state of plan an intricate and, and decisive role in the economy. The state cannot be a spectator when there are structural challenges in our economy and when the vast majority of our people are unemployed and live in poverty. The intervention in the 2022 Division of Revenue are pro-development and pro-poor. 
We therefore welcome this budget, uh, this division of revenue as the African National Congress. I thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, Deputy Minister of Finance. Thanks, Deputy Speaker and Honorable Members. Order. Order. Honorable Mazzoni. Honorable Mazzoni. Try Sipedi. Please don't go Try there. speaking in Sipedi. Order, Honorable Members, please. No, you can't no. be corrected in English. No, no, they must no. correct African language uh, as well. Uh, 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 honorable Members, don't turn this into that. This is not a platform for what you are doing now. We'll open up some rooms next door. It's a good Back place course. for you to start that out, yeah. <laughs> uh, Honorable David Masondo, Minister of Finance. Deputy Speaker, Honorable Members, this debate on the division of revenue takes place. Uh, Honorable Minister, Oh, please, man. Uh, <laughs> I think I can say this to you. Uh, can you do something about lighting where you are sitting? We can't really see you, but, but okay, I shouldn't focus on that. I'm making a mistake. Uh, but please, uh, uh, yeah, let's do something about it and talk to us so that we hear too. When you sit back, we can't hear properly as well. Yeah. Get closer to your mic or something. Uh, I hope, I hope it's better, better, Deputy Speaker. It's getting better. It's getting better. Thank you very much. Thanks We're so much. Um, example, has Shepherson, if I, if I no, 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 no. There's yeah. no has Shepherson right now. Uh, yes. Deputy Speaker, if I may, um, I believe that the color of that is no, 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 it's, honorable it's, member. No, 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 let's not discuss. No, honorable Mazzoni, please. No, man, I don't need help on that matter. Please. No, no, no. The answer is no, honorable Mazzoni. The answer is no. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no, honorable Mazzoni. We are sorting out this problem. Honorable members, I don't need your help. They, they can't see on the screen. No, 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 no. Honorable Masondo, please proceed. Um, Deputy Speaker, I hope I'm uh, visible. I'm at the investment conference here in Senten. Um, and I hope that will be much more visible. My apologies for that. And, and honorable members, this debate on the division of revenue takes place in the context of a very physically constrained environment. Our public debt is four trillion and is projected to rise to 5.4 trillion in the next three years. And we'll be paying almost one trillion for debt service costs over the next three years. Despite these fiscal constraints and the projected low economic growth, this division of revenue bill is redistributive and transformative. The total government expenditure is $2 trillion this financial year. The bill before us, Deputy Speaker and the House, does not only divide 
our nation's public funds amongst the three spheres of government. It also provides for a profound redistribution of our nation's resources. Taxes raised predominantly from better off citizens, mainly in the urban areas, are redistributed to fund services across the country, especially rural areas, where they fund schools, clinics, and basic municipal services for poor communities. 48.8% of the nationally raised funds are allocated to national government, 41.4% to provincial government, and 9.8% to local government. The budget is redistributive in favor of the poor. 59% of the total non-interest spending over this period will be allocated to social wage. Almost all of the grants and programs in provinces and municipalities are funded through the Division of Revenue Bill are targeted to benefit poor South Africans. And this range from the National School Nutrition Program, which feeds over 9 million learners every day, to the infrastructure grants that build schools, roads, and houses, to those who previously did not have access to these basic services. Honorable members, you will recall that our tax revenue estimates are 182 billion higher than our estimates last year. A portion of this tax revenue will be used to fund spending pressures in provinces and municipalities. 78.8 billion will be is added to provincial government to fund spending pressures in education, health, social development, as well as human settlements. These amounts include allocation for the continuation of the Presidential Youth Employment Initiative for both spheres of government. This additional allocation reflects the priority that are put in place by our government to serve our people. This bill is transformative because it facilitates the transformation of our economy and society by directing scarce resources towards catalytic investment in physical and human capital. This includes infrastructure projects being implemented at Matrosana, Tembisa, amongst other areas to empower our municipalities to reverse apartheid special development patterns. And not only in our metropolitans, but also in our smaller cities and measures to respond to job losses due to the impact of COVID-19. Deputy Speaker, several concerns 
were raised regarding the conditional grants in relation to A, the value derived from these conditional grants, the capacity of provinces and municipalities to spend their allocation, and the proliferation of indirect grants. I would like to assure honorable members and South Africans that we are addressing these concerns. For example, there's already a substantial allocation of resources for capacity building in the budget to enable our municipalities to spend these grants. In response to several concerns raised regarding the number and efficacy of these conditional grants, we are reviewing these conditional grants. Areas of the review include the proliferation of the grants, the performance of direct and indirect grants, the alignment between relevant provincial grants and local government grants, departmental oversight allocation, as well as methodologies and classification that are being used in allocating these grants. And more importantly, the link between these grants and their impact on economic development. Concerns, again, have been raised by honorable members with respect to the debt owed by government departments and the private sector are duly noted. But we should note that the highest debtors are households. Honorable members are reminded that credit control is squarely on the hands of municipalities. As part of the revenue management support provided by the National Treasury, we do provide support and advice on strengthening credit control. However, implementation of these measures is the responsibility of municipalities. The disconnection practices started by Bulukwane municipality a while ago, now carried out by the city of Tswane and city of Johannesburg, should be undertaken by all our municipalities to ensure their financial viability. Compensation of employees does continue to account for a significant share of provincial budget, but this is because the major sectors by budget and size, that is health and education, are very labor intensive. As noted in the previous budget, in a bid to reduce the wage bill, several measures are in place, including prioritization of posts to be filled, due to national, natural attrition. Next week, government will be discussing some of these issues in the public sector labor summit next week. Honorable Thank you members, very much. Uh, Honorable Minister, I'm afraid your time has finished. You better wrap up in one sentence. Yes. The impact yes. of this allocation will depend on provinces and municipalities and we hope that they will do the right thing in spending this money to benefit South Africans. I thank you, Deputy Speaker. Thank you very much. Uh, Honorable members, 
That concludes the debate. Are there any objections to the bill being read a second time? Yes, the objection of the EFF. We know the objection of the EFF. House Chair, in fact, you're correct. Deputy sir. Minister, Deputy Speaker. Yeah, I was just uh, that Deputy said Chair. Uh, uh, was it not you? Okay. Deputy Speaker, uh, the objection of the DA, and we'd
The speaker has determined that in accordance with the rules, a manual voting procedure will be used for this division. Firstly, in order to establish a quorum, I would request the table to confirm that we have the requisite quorum of members physically present in the chamber and on the virtual platform to take this decision. Party whips will then be given an opportunity to confirm the number of their members present and indicate if they vote for or against the question. A member who wishes to abstain or vote against the party vote may do so by informing the chair. Um, order. Let's hear. The question before the House is that the Division of Revenue Bill will be read a second time. Uh, let me have first confirmation that we have the numbers. We do, okay. I'm told we do. So I have put the question, which is that uh, the house, the, the question before the house is that the division of revenue bill be read a second time. Voting will now commence. The doors to the chamber will be locked and members will not be allowed to enter on the visual platform until voting is concluded. Weeps, could you confirm the number of your members present in the chamber and on the virtual platform and indicate if they vote for or against the question? Uh, the table will obviously be providing assistance. Uh, I am assuming that you are ready. So let's hear the ANC. Thank you very much, Deputy Speaker. The ANC on the, in physical attendance here in the chamber is 34. On the virtual platform is 171, totaling up to 205. We fully support and vote for. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. In the House, we are five members. Online, we are 11 members. That totals 16 members voting against. DFF. House Chair, um, we are 27 on the visual plat uh, platform and voting against. Okay. IFP. It's close. Thank you, Speaker. Uh, go ahead, Honorable Kabekulu. Uh, Thank you, Deb, uh, uh, Speaker. By Slan of Visual Is be quiet. What is so difficult about being quiet? No, no, the table didn't hear because people are conversating in a manner that is really out of order. I don't know why, what they think they're doing and why they do so. Uh, See by Slano go virtual, so by Bill Lapendlin is also seven. See song, I fear Sagar. FF plus. Deputy Speaker, in the house we are one, on virtual platform we are zero, and we are one against. Thank you. Okay. ACDP. Thank you, Deputy Speaker. As far as I can ascertain, oh, we're, we're oh, one on virtual, but I'm subject to correction, and one in the house voting against. But the one on virtual, I can't um, determine yet. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, UDM? 50% attendance only in the house, voting in favor, Chair. 
ATM Good. Uh, Deputy Speaker, two on the virtual platform voting in favor. Thank you. AIC. NFP first, Deputy Speaker. NFP. Yes, thank you, Deputy Speaker. Two on virtual in support. Thank you. AIC. Cope. Uh, one in the house. We agree. Thank you. Al Jamaa. Uh, okay. Uh, PAC. Is there any member? that wishes to abstain or vote differently to their party. Thank you. The voting session is now closed. Sorry? I have called Al Jamaa and they have not responded. They are not on the platform. That's a, yeah, okay. The voting session is now closed. Uh, the result will be announced soon. Uh, Honorable Kwankwa. Can you switch off that mic, please? Yeah, there's a mic there next to you. Oh, okay. It's your... Yeah, okay. Uh, honorable members, the outcome of the voting session is 45 no, 218 yes. The question is accordingly agreed to, and the secretary will read the bill a second time. Malbongwe. Malbongwe. Let it be praised. Be praised. Let it be praised. Yes, yes, yes. Woes as woes. No, no. Okay.
Thank you very much, uh, colleagues. We proceed. I will allow the secretary to read the bill a second time. Uh, Chairperson, my hand is up. It's Minister Zoom. Oh, you may proceed, Honorable Minister. Uh, Chairperson, I wish to firstly apologize that I'm unable to access my, my rules because I'm, I'm using the phone because of the network. What I want to ask Chairperson is, who is supposed to be muted in this house? Because sometimes when we raise our hands, you find that they don't see our hands. And there, I don't know who's in charge of the technology there. Who then decide that they will choose who they mute and who they don't mute. They keep muting me consistently and I'm not disrupting, I'm not doing anything. I don't know if it is correct for us to be okay, just automatically I think, muted okay. even when we want to raise issues. Okay, no, thank you, uh, Minister. Minister, I don't know what would have happened that you were muted. That only happens by instruction to the ICT, by instruction of the uh, officer presiding here. And then on the issue of the hand, uh, the table staff do open their laptops and they have to check at all times. Maybe they missed that. And if that is the case, we apologize. Thank you. Thank you, Chen. Uh, have you read? Uh, read the bill a second time, please. We don't have to. Thank you. Division of Revenue Bill. Thank you very much. The bill will be sent to the National Council of Provinces for concurrence. Thank you. I will now allow the secretary to read the, the third and the fifth order together. Consideration of recommendation of candidates to fill four vacancies on Council of Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, ICASA, and consideration of recommendation of candidates to fill two vacancies on Media Development and Diversity Agency, MDDA Board. Thank you. No, the other one. And consideration of recommendations of candidates to fill a vacancy on the South African Broadcasting Corporation, SABC Board. Thank you very much. Uh, I will now recognize the Honorable Maneli. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, Honorable Ministers and Deputy Ministers, Committee Support Staff, Fellow South Africans. The Portfolio Committee on Communications, the committee, has received a referral from the Speaker of the National Assembly in line with the request from the respective ministers for the filling of two vacancies for the MTDA board, one vacancy for the SABC board, and four vacancies in the ICASA Council and followed all processes as elucidated in the MTTA Act of 2002, Act Number 14 of 2002, Broadcasting Act of 1999, Act Number 4 of 1999, and the ICASA Act of 2000, Act of 2000, respectively. In line with the provisions of Rule 151 and 172 
of the National Assembly rules. The committee appointed three subcommittees proportional to representation of parties in the National Assembly to shortlist, interview, and deliberate on candidates to be recommended to the committee. The committee received a report from the subcommittees, which reflected consensus decisions reached by the three subcommittees on candidates to be recommended. Honorable members, on the 15th of March, 2022, the committee unanimously agreed to adopt the detailed report circulated to all honorable members of this house. The committee taking into account both existing boards and council members and candidates to be recommended in the respective entities in terms of skill set, demographics, task at hand, and the performance of candidates in the interviews recommends the following candidates to be considered for appointment in line with applicable legislative prescripts as follows. On the MDTA board, one would be Miss Martina de la Dogna, two would be Miss Carol Mushala. On the SABC board, where there's one vacancy, one being Dr. Rene Hong. In the ICASA Council, where there are four vacancies, one advocate the Makats of Kosha, Zaritan Councillor, Miss Mamputu Konondombana, Miss Tikele Dimushi, Miss Tabisa Faye, Miss Ndombiza Sitoye, Miss Setu Komo, and Miss Rosanna Dell. Key observations to make in the recommended names is that of the seven candidates in ICASA, instead of the six, a minimum requirement from which the minister will select the, uh, the four for appointment. This is informed by financial prudency on the side of the committee in case of declines, given the time it has taken to finalize the report, as well as the committee experience with regard to previous appointments. The other very important observation is that all candidates recommended happen to be women. However, their recommendation is not just about gender, but their skills and high levels of performance in the interviews. Honorable members, in conclusion, allow me to quote the late president of the ANC, O.R. Tambo, when he recognized a leader who happened to be a woman in his address to the conference of the women's section of the ANC in Angola on the 14th September 1981, and I quote, women in the ANC should stop behaving as if there was no place for them above the level of certain categories in the movement. The duty to liberate us men from antique concepts and attitudes about the place and role of women in society and the development and direction of our revolutionary struggle. In fear of being a failure, Comrade Lindy Wemabuza cried and sobbed and ultimately collapsed on top of herself when she learned she had been appointed ANC chief representative to the Scandinavian countries. But looking at the record, could any man have done better? Close quote. I'm therefore presenting these candidates once more, not just because they are women, but because on record, they are proper and fit to serve as leaders in these entities. I therefore thank you, House Chairperson. The report is Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Maneli.
I will now recognize parties that wish to make a declaration. I'll start with the DA. The DA notes and supports the process to fill vacancies in the boards of the Media Development and Diversity Agency, Broadcasting Corporation, and the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, as carried out by the Communications Portfolio Committee. Myself and Honorable Solima Ladzi, the DA Whip, pause to appreciate the contribution of our predecessor in this committee, Honorable Zach Mbele. His dedication and participation made it possible for us as new appointees to the committee to ensure that each candidate in each entity had a fair chance based on the interviews as we relied on his insight as well as knowledge and his guidance. It is worth noting that the various committee discussions that finalized the recommendations subsequent to the shortlisting were refreshingly inclusive of all parties in the subcommittee and sought to seek consensus to ensure that it, there is a fair balance accommodating the different parties' preferred candidates based on their skills and expertise. According to the MDDA Act, the board consists of nine members, six of which must be appointed by the president, following recommendations by this house. Currently, the board consists of seven members due to the term of former board member, Ms. Bella Togna and Dr. Mbava. Their terms both ended on October 2020, respectively. A total of 56 nominations were received and 13 candidates were shortlisted. A subcommittee on communications was tasked to recommend two candidates from the list of shortlisted candidates to the president to make the final appointment. On the 15th of March, 2022, the committee met to consider the recommendations of the subcommittee, which deliberated on the interviews and found consensus recommending that Ms. Delatogna and Ms. Moshala be appointed to fill the vacancies, the two vacancies on the MDDA board. The DA believes that these two candidates are arguably the best balance of skills, expertise, and human resources that the MDDA needs at this time. On the SAPC chairperson, the vacancy was left by the resignation of Ms. Benedette. The DA notes that Dr. Horne demonstrated solid understanding and innovative insight on how to modernize the SAPC, especially leveraging newer business model, inter international best practices, and its dormant in-house asset. We therefore congratulate and welcome her appointment. We further note that the appointment to the SAPC board is for, un for the unexpired portion of the period of the vacating member which would have which would then end on the 26th of September 2022 on ICASA we as according to the ICASA act the council consists of nine members appointed by the minister currently the council consists of five members a consensus was reached to ensure that all candidates who were ranked highest by different parties are recommended these are advocate Kosha. Ms. Nomputugo Ndombana, Ms. Dikeledi Mushi, Ms. Tabi Safaye, Ms. Sese Tukomo, Ms. Rosana Jell, and Ms. Ndombiza Sitole. 
The DA is happy for this House to approve the names for submission to the Minister of Communications and Digital Communities in order for her to appoint four from these seven candidates as ICASA councillors. This is to avoid a situation where it would, it would be impossible for one candidate or the other to make to take up the appointment, and then we do not need to reconvene appointments. In closing, Chairperson, the DA wishes to thank all the candidates who had applied to the different boards and wish the very best to the nominated candidates as they continue to build a South Africa as envisioned by the Democratic Alliance, where each citizen enjoys their freedom in a fair country with ample opportunities. The DA supports the report. Thank you. The EFF? Uh, the EFF participated in this process, and we are pleased that overwhelmingly the portfolio has recommended the appointment of females predominantly for these vacancies. All the candidates are worthy candidates. Dr. Rene is an accomplished academic from VETS, and their track record speaks for itself. We hope that she will maintain her integrity and independence in the toxic fire that the SABC board has developed a reputation for being over the past couple of years. We need people who are going to work tirelessly to save the SABC and to position it as the prime news source for the majority of our people. It must remain independent and not be the mouthpiece of the ruling leeches. We are pleased that the MDDA has decided to retain outstanding women leaders such as Martina de la Torna and Carol Mulano. We remember the struggles of Ms. de la Torna when went through when she demanded accountability from the MDDA in 2017. We are pleased that she is back in the boat again. And we hope that she, she and the team will work tirelessly to support the community radio stations, which are an invaluable source of news for many of our people. The appointments SS at ICASA are also of credible women leaders. We are proud that this committee has acknowledged women leadership in this way. We, however, not pleased that it has taken this long to fill these vacancies. The SABC and the MDTA vacancies come from way back in 2020. It has, it has taken almost two years to fill them. The, this committee must do better. We are in support of the recommendations. Lori Wua, Chairperson. The IFP. Ma'am, any member? Thank you, Honorable House. Yes, I'm here, Honorable uh, House Chair. Proceed. The Independent Communications Authority of South African Responsibilities are directly linked to the lifeblood of our economy, with the authority being responsible for regulating the telecommunication, broadcasting, and postal industries in the public interest and ensuring affordable services of a high quality of all South Africans. This decision taken by Casa councillors therefore have, have a direct impact on the daily lives of South Africans. Uh, for this reason, 
they are held to a high standard. With this in mind, the IFP is pleased to confirm that the appointment process undertaken by the portfolio committee in to fill four vacancies adhered to all the necessary requirements as pertains to openness, transparency, and public participation. Further, the committee submitted additional names to assist the appointment authority in an event that one of the appointment councillors vacated office a few months after his or her appointment. And we also take note that in the MTTA, the importance of the media development and diversity agents in providing access to diversified media for all cannot be overstated. The media is tasked with appointing the development of a vibrant, innovative, sustainable, and people-centered community media sector through resourcing knowledge-based search and capacity building in order to give a voice to historical disadvantaged. Uh, furthermore, uh, the MTTA board appointment should be afforded the same importance and, and agency as all other entities that fall under the department's uh, preview. Considering the footprint of community media, one almost feels it should be appropriate to appoint and make sure that the MTTA provides uh, the, the mainstream of of, of, of local uh, uh, radio stations. The South African Broadcasting Corporation has an essential role in play in our democracy, ensuring that the public at large is kept up to the date on current affairs so that they can make informed choices about issues that impact their day-to-day -day lives. As part of the seven-member subcommittee established to consider the 69 nomination received, we are confident that the shortlisting process identified the best candidates and further following interviews identified the best person to fill the vacant uh, board seat. We suggest that we, suge we suggest ways to fast track the appointment process in the case of an unexpected resignation be explored. It is essential, however, that transparency and integrity of the appointment process is not compromised. The IFP accepts all three reports. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. FF plus. Thank you, House Chair. The process to re recommend candidates for a shortlist has been lengthy. The subcommittee seems to have done their due diligence in terms of the process. Although the committee took a decision to include more names that required by law, it, it must raise certain concerns that candidates became appointed as board members and leave after a few months. The question that begs to be asked is whether the process to nominate candidates is the right process. Questions also need to be asked without why these candidates avail themselves first and foremost, but also want choices that leads to their resignations. This batch, batch of candidates seems up to the task, judging by the MCOM, LLB and other degrees listed under their respective profiles. What remains to be seen, however, is whether they will be able to stand the test of time and if they are truly selected on the merit. Due to the resignation of Ms. Bernadette Muchin, the process had to be started to replace her as a board member of the SABC. The process was completed by the sub subcommittee on 10 March, and on 15 March this year, the Portfolio Committee on Communications completed its business and unanimously agreed to recommend Dr. Renee Horn to be appointed to fill the vacancy. 
On the 10th of March, after having received 56 nominations on the MDDA board to fill the two vacant positions, shortlisting 13 candidates whereof that were interviewed, the subcommittee unanimously agreed to recommend Ms. Matila Dalat Nokna and Mrs. Carol Moshlala. Um, she, um, it will be important for these candidates going forward to prove themselves and that not, not just to be good candidates on paper. I thank you, Austria. Thank you. The ACDP. ACDP. Oh, sorry, Mr. Frame. Honorable Speaker, in considering these three reports from the Portfolio Committee on Communications, the African Christian Democratic Party is cognizant that these vacancies arose either as a result of resignations or the term of office expiring in the entities of ICASA, uh, MDDA, and the SABC. All three reports speak of the establishment of seven-member multi-party subcommittees to oversee the process of filling the vacancies whereafter the subcommittees met to consider the criteria and skills required to fill these vacancies. What was interesting for the ACDP was to observe that in all three reports, there was unanimity in the shortlisting process, as well as in the final selection of the successful candidates. Honorable Speaker, or House Chair, in the portfolio committees where the ACDP has representation. We have often been critical of the departments and the entities where critical posts that have been budgeted for, yet these posts are not filled. This practice cannot be tolerated, particularly with the high unemployment rate that South Africa currently has. The African Christian Democratic Party congratulates these successful candidates and wishes them well as they fulfill their mandates to serve the best interests of all South Africans. The ACDP accepts these reports and supports them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, UDM. Thank uh, you, House Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. As a UDM, we can pride ourselves and we obsessed and we looked at all angles regarding these reports. We therefore feel that all these people that are chosen here or all these candidates, they have a right and they also have the abilities of leading. We've been standing here for a while, and we stand here and we give people accolades with great credentials, and, and then they do the opposite. Uh, whilst we stand here and use big English words, we must not only look at their credentials, so far is that they are fit for purpose. 
Now, what is important is that they must go there and do a proper job in these entities. All our SOEs and most of our boards have been run to the ground by people who are fit for purpose, and we stood here in these podiums and we worked lyrical about how competent they were. They must go there. What like we want? She must make sure that she's not captured by the factional battles in that SABC board, where it becomes a messy political playground for politicians before elections, they pull her in all directions. That's what we pulled in all directions. That media development and diversity and that by support a community radio station. Yes, they must support community radio stations. Up until they understand the mandate and they make sure that in the work they do, they are true to the mandate of these entities. qualifications. We will keep saying they have great credentials, uh, whereas they are not doing what they're supposed to do. What is um, commendable, though? The list has we support the reports. The ATM uh, good. Uh, House Chairperson, we support the reports. Thank you. Thank you. NFP. NFP. Okay, I move AIC. The chairperson, this okay. report seems to be the well-supported report by all political parties who participated in the processes. As the AIC, we also support the, the report. chapter. Uh, Cope. Uh, thank you, Chair, and the honourable members. Uh, I must say that uh, what the committee did uh, need to be accepted. Uh, when it came to the identification of the uh, people who are now presented before yourselves, um, when it came to that, it was professionally done. All the parties uh, agreed. The interviews were conducted uh, professionally. It was agreed by all the parties. So you have some form of unanimity. I think it's the first time. And uh, we wish to hope that uh, they will be able to move forward and do that which they are supposed to do. What one can therefore say is that they must not do that which was done by the others in the past of uh, concentrating on particular uh, uh, people and trying or going on to elevate um, certain things which were wrong. We have examples. Some of those particular people who did wrong things have either been kicked out of those particular uh, institutions like the SABC. Some of those particular people stole a lot, and we hope that these ones that have been... uh, are being uh, proposed, rather uh, presented to you, will be able to do that which they are supposed to do. And uh, we as hope, therefore, say, please let's uh, agree. Thank you very much. Thank you. The PAC.
Babunyanzo. Okay. Aljama. ANC. Honorable House Chairperson, Honorable Members, Fellow South Africans. As introduced by the Chairperson of the Portfolio Committee of Communication and Digital Technologies, Honorable Manel, today we table the committee's recommended candidates for the appointment of one candidate to serve on the SABC board, four councillors out of seven that have been recommended to serve on the ICASA board and two candidates to serve on the MTDA. Honorable members, not only this uh, critical for the constitutionality of these respective structures, it is fundamental to the effective execution of their mandates. It is the ANC's firm belief that pub public ownership is necessary in critical sectors of the economy and that the country needs robust state-owned enterprises that are able to drive economic growth and transformation. According to the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, state-owned enterprises play a vital role in terms of the direct services they provide to their community, particularly in the provision of the basic services such as such as access to water, electricity, sanitation, and transportation. SOEs also contribute to poverty alleviation and the creation of employment, as well as marvel as the successes of People's Republic of China, which has grown its economy for the better quality of life of their people. It is worth reflecting on the contribution of their state-owned companies into their economy. In the midst of the deadly coronavirus, the spokesperson of the State-Owned Asset Supervision and Administration Commission, Mr. Peng Huang, reported that in 2021, the global operating revenue of their SOCs stood at 36.33 trillion reflecting an increase of 19.5% when compared to the previous year. This is an average by annual growth rate of 8.2%. Honorable House Chairperson, the ANC re remains committed to writing our SOEs of corruption and to implementing reforms that will enable them to function optimally so that they better serve the needs of our people. The entities we are discussing today have had their fair share of challenges and it is still going to take more work and dedication from all the boards and management to work collectively to get them into better shape. Ikasa. That being said, the ANC is happy to announce that, as pronounced by our Excellency Comrade, uh, our Honorable uh, President Ramaphosa in his State of the Nation address, ICASA has indeed concluded a successful auction of high demand spectrum. The auction involved six qualified bidders, namely CELC, Liquid Intelligent Technology, MTN, Reigns Network, Telcom, and Vodacom. The revenue collected from his auction totals 
more than 14.4 billion which will go to the national fiscus. This is a total amount generated from the opt-in phase option which took place on 8th March 2022 and the main auction stage which commenced to on the 10th of March 2022 and concluded on the 17th of March 2022. We commend ICASA for seeing this process through following many years of delays and frustrating litigation processes. SABC, the SABC is slowly but surely reaching stability with 93% completion of the implementation of its turnaround strategy. However, we employ the SABC to effect its strategies to generate more revenue so that it is self-sustainable. The MDDA is a hard at work towards pursuit of investors to invest in community and small commercial media. Government funding alone is not enough. And we welcome the initiatives that the agency has come up with to attract possible investors in the form of the funder breakfast and the grant funding outreach program. These are the just some of the highlights worth noting in the three entities, and we are confident that the candidates, as recommended by the portfolio committee, will be up to the task and they will hit the ground, running to enhance the work that is already being done. The ANC supports Dr. Rene Horn to be appointed to fill the vacancy of the SAPC board. We further support the names of Advocate Dimakatsokosha. Ms. Nomputuko Nontombana, Ms. Dikele Dimushi, Ms. Tabisa Faye, Ms. Ntombiza Sitole, Ms. Sese Tukomo, and Ms. Rosanna Jen for submission to the Minister of Communication and Digital Technology in order for her to appoint four from the seven candidates as ICASA councillors. Lastly, we also support that National Assembly approve the names of Ms. Martina de la Tonga and Ms. Carol Mutala for appointment to the MGDA board for a full four-year term. Honorable House Chair, I thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Member. Honorable members, that concludes the declarations. Now the question before the House is that Advocate Dimakazo Gosha, Ms. Nomputugo Nontombana, Ms. Dikele Dimushi, Ms. Tabisa Faye, Ms. Ntombiza Stole, Ms. Sese Chungomo, and Ms. Rosanna Gell be recommended for appointment to the Council of Independent Communications Authority of South Africa. Are there any objections to these recommendations, honorable members? Thank you very much. No objections agreed to. And the recommendations have accordingly been approved. The names, the names of the candidates 
will be forwarded to the Minister of Communications for consideration. Secondly, honorable members, the question before the house is that Ms. Martina Dolatonga and Ms. Carol Musala be recommended for appointment to the Media Development and Diversity Agency Board for a full four-year term. Are there any objections? No objections agreed to. The candidates are accordingly recommended for appointment to the Media Development and Diversity Agency Board. The names of the persons recommended will be forwarded to the president. Honorable members, uh, are there any objections to the recommendation that of the committee that Dr. Renee Horn be recommended for appointment to the South African Broadcasting Corporation Board for the unexpired portion of the period for which the vacating board member had been appointed, which ends the 26th September, 2022. Any objections? No objections. Dr. Renee Horn is accordingly recommended for appointment to the board of the South African Broadcasting Cooperation. The name of the person recommended will be forwarded to the president. Thank you very much. Now we proceed and I ask the secretary to read the sixth order. Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises on oversight visit to Transnet. May I recognize the chair of the committee, the Honorable Makaka? Oh, thank you, Chairperson. The Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprise is presenting before the National Assembly the report of the Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises on an oversight visit to Transnet. The oversight visit to Transnet Port Terminals and Port and Transnet National Port Authority at the Port of Cape Town was to assess capabilities and operations of these divisions. The oversight visit was undertaken on the, foot, on the 4th May 2021. The committee also visited the Transnet Engineering Transnet Freight Rail at the Belleville Campus and Transnet Property on the 5th May 2021. Transnet plays a critical role in the movement of goods and freight in the country, but the ports are critical infrastructure for the export and import of goods and machinery. Transnet is a strategic log logistics company in the economy of the country. In the case of the Western Cape, the port plays a critical role in the export of agricultural products. The purpose of the visit by the committee was to familiarize itself with the nature of the operations and capabilities of the entity. 
Furthermore, the committee sought to assess the developmental impact of infrastructure development as well as the operations in terms of economic benefit for the immediate communities. This was assessed in relation to job creation, skill development, promotion of local business, especially SMEs, and transformation. They are critical priority areas for the implementation of government policy. The committee received a number of presentations which were informative on the operation as well as the weaknesses and challenges experienced by the entity. It is the concerning that Transnet is constrained in the Cape Town port as it also only has two pets out of nine to utilize. This means that the private sector dominates the use of the pets. It is also critical that contracts with workers are sorted to create certainty. The property division should ensure that upgrade of the different properties occurs to enhance value for the entity. The observations and recommendations report highlights a number of bottlenecks and challenges. It is imperative that these are resolved as Transnet plays a critical logistics role in the economy. Transnet has presented a turnaround strategy which is captured in the report and it is imperative that the plan is implemented as this will facilitate economic growth and development in the country. The report reflects turnaround plans for all divisions which were part of the oversight visit, and these plans identify challenges and remedies. Therefore, observations and recommendations of the report must be implemented, and the committee must be kept abreast on the developments on a quarterly basis. The minister needs to form a stakeholder forum to ensure that all issues raised in the report are dealt with in order to improve the efficiency of the functioning of the port of Cape Town. Such oversight visits are critical for ensuring heightened oversight, but more importantly, for ensuring inclusive economic growth and development as part of the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. The portfolio committee will resolutely continue with this work in conjunction with the key stakeholders to ensure that the important observations are acted upon and monitor the implementation of the recommendations of the report. The PC approved the report and submit the report for the consideration of the National Assembly. Thank you. Chief Whip of the Majority Party, Rezanka Pehoena. Nakilebu Muduya Stulo, Kitty Sinahore, Riamueleta Lewe, Nakalebu. Kilebu, Pileha Hore, Risiri, Sitsine, Kamuhelo, Aki Dumele, Baba Batan, who is the declaration, the DA. Put your earphones on. Uh, thank you. I wish to make a, a few brief statements in, by way of declaration here. Uh, we were privy to going to Transnet and witnessing at the ports what they were doing, and we receive, as we usually do, massive present PowerPoint presentations about what is going to be done, how it's going to be turned around. But the reality that we face is considerably different to the presentations that we are presented with. Allow me to refer you 
to a report, uh, to a column, an editorial in Business Day at the beginning of this month, which lambasted the CEO of Transnet in specifically in terms of ports, in terms of the, of the promises that were made as a reference against what is actually happening. The fact is that our ports are at the bottom of the global competitive rankings worldwide. The fact is that our moves of containers that are the measure of competitiveness at our ports is extremely poor. The fact is that we have lost out on exports in minerals to the tune of about 30 billion rand just because in the, in the face of rising prices and global shortages, which we have not been able to take advantage of. One company, Exaro, has lost something of the order of five billion rands. This is the parlous state that we find ourselves in. And all we get are nebulous statements about how we're going to make Transnet great again. I wish it could be great again. The fact is, it is in a death spiral, like many of our uh, SOEs. We have, we have, we are witness to a company which once was a cash cow that is now actually posting losses that are going to match the losses of other SOEs over time. And the blame is always placed at the door of COVID, the weather, you know, the, but nothing, nothing is being done to turn it around. All we receive is, as I say, nebulous statements and blame in terms of the South African coat of arms, which is always that, somebody else. This has to stop. And we need to address this. I hope Transnet's listening, and I hope, and I and I sincerely hope that we that we address this because our future, our economic future, depends on this in no uncertain terms. I thank you. Thank you, uh, Melubengo, uh, Melubengo Lorraine. Nixanya Gudistepa, the member on the platform, could you please mute? You have been disturbing us for a while now. You, you come out again, I'll ask the ICT to remove you from the platform. Please. We proceed now and call on the EFF. Thank you very much, House Chair. House Chair, since 2019, the Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises made repeated oversight visits to ESCOM and, Trans and Transnet. In fact, these visits to Transnet are even more frequent than, than any other entity to almost all operations, and, and yet we fail to make clear and practical interventions with the potential to improve the situation in Transnet and ESCOM. Instead, there is just an acceleration of privatization of ports and harbors. Vandalism of transnet infrastructure is continuing. Trucks continue to queue longer. Workers continue to be subjected to poor working conditions and exploitation by labor brokers, and there is no sign that things are getting better. 
We cannot continue to visit Transnet as if it is the only entity under the portfolio committee. There are other entities that we are responsible for that are facing equally difficult, stru difficult structural program problems, some worse than Transnet. We must visit Dinel, SAA, SA Express, Safcall, Alexco. We have raised this yesterday in a, in a committee meeting, and we are happy that the committee agreed with us. Lastly, we have noted the public communication by Transnet informing the public that Transnet is doing away with and 30% subcontracting requirements give opportunity to black entrepreneurs. We know, this, we know this is as a result of the constitutional court case. But we also know that this is going to be abused because the Minister of Public Enterprise, Mr. Jamnanda, refers to what is the right of equivalence and now he is going to be the explaining to everyone. This is going to be abused. I'm sorry, Mam Komani. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry, Mam Komani. Hey, Mpunza. Honorable Mpunza. Honorable Mpunza. DG Mpunza. Yes, no. Chair. No, 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 no. You can't do that to us. Sorry, Chair. Sorry, Chairperson. You can't. Oh. I'm sorry, Mam Komani. Tolapilime. I'm done unless if you say I must start again. Okay. No, no, no. If you were done, it's fine. I'm looking at the time. You still have time. I thought you are proceeding. I'm a fool. Are you, you were done? Yes, thank you very much. I was done. Mm. Okay, thank I you. Oh, oh my God. Thank you for Mamsuela. As a belief, Mam Suela, as a belief. Uh, honorable members on the virtual platform, all of you, please check your gadgets. Check that your gadgets are muted. We don't want those conversations that you have at home, please. And it's disturbing the whole house. Please, I'm begging you now. All the names that I have uh, I've called here, if you repeat, I see your name again, you won't be proceeding with us. Please. Uh, let me proceed to the IFP. Oh, Baba. Thank you, Mr. Chairperson. I'm standing on behalf of my colleague, Nkosi Telezi, PM. Job creation, skills development, promotion of local SMEs, SMMEs, and transformation must be key component of infrastructure development by government. Small business operators, particularly small scale uh, coal miners, are, however, finding themselves being crowded or out of the market with uh, high prices being charged for containers. Transnet, Transnet port te terminals in, at Cape Town uh, are facing several challenges, such as traffic congestion, breathing delays, 
poor operation performance and poor equipment availability, reliability and poor state of the IT structure, uh, infrastructure, I'm sorry. This when added to the in inclement uh, weather of Cape Town results in serious uh, delays with, uh, which uh, hamper economic growth as an industry that is reliant upon supply via shipping route uh, will experience delays. The uh, port, port equipment, which has not uh, been refurbished, refurbished and is in a poor state of state due to but, uh, budgetary constraints is a serious concern, which could lead to even bigger delays in um, the future, if not uh, addressed uh, urgently. We are pleased to note that uh, skills development in, in respect of artisan training and particularly youth development in respect of diesel and electrical mechanics uh, are being offered with some 2,747 employees and 181 youth receiving training due date, uh, to date at the Transcend Academy. Cable theft remains a serious concern and appears without solution. Alternate uh, strategies must be implemented as the current uh, ones are simply not effective, Chair. Uh, we must do all uh, that is required to enhance the economy. Effect, if efficient, efficiency and alternate uh, effectiveness of our port operations. Contractors working at the port of Cape Town should be uh, encouraged to use local suppliers as subcontractors and port management must be made to consult and communicate with civil society, local business and, and organize a labor on a regular base, basis. This will only enhance port services and outputs and hereby drive greater economic growth. Uh, the IFE supports the report. Thank you. FF Plus. Thank you, House Chair. The Freis Front is kennis genoem van the verslag by the besoek aan Kaapstad Habe. Dit is algemeen bekend dat die opeenhoping van vrachtmotors op die havens een van die grootste probleme is. Wachttijd is te lang en kost te duur. Die Kaapse haven is negen dagen achter met die op- en aflaai van vrachtskepe en vrachtskepe moet dikwels langer as tien dagen wacht voordat hulle kan vastmeer. Die Kaapstad haven word door die Wereldbank as die swakste haven in Afrika beskou as gevolg van die swak hantering van containers. Havens is so belangrijk voor een groeiende economie en daarom mag daar nooit een demper op in- en uitvoer geplaas word nie. Die beleggers is traag om in Zuid-Afrika te belee om rede die vertragings op havens groot financiële verliese meebring. Dit is dus belangrijk dat havens baie goed moet functioneer om groei in die economie te werkstellig en so doen ook nieuwe werksgeleentede te skep. Op die gebied van landbouw leid die boere miljoene rande skade as gevolg van swakpaie wat vruchtig nie is as ook die vertragings op havens wat eenvoudig nie in staat is om die volume staan teer nie. In baie gevalle kom die vruchte te laat by die oorseese markte wat leid tot prijsverlagings en in sekere gevalle word dit afgekeer. Die infrastructuur van die havens is al vir jare verwaarloos en geen nieuwe toerusting is aangekoop nie wat veroorzaak dat die uitvoerders daarna leid. Die redes vir die swak toestande op die havens word dikwels toegeskryf aan stormwinde. Dit is nie net in Kaapsland, maar ook te Port Lisebeth. 
Die departement het echter sekere plannen en gedachten om die probleem te oorkom met nieuwe toerusting wat een positieve stap is. Dan die vrachtboote ouwer terminus by die Kaapstad Haven is hooploos ontoereikend en baie sal financieer besteer moet word om dit recht te stel. Die departement het om ook skillig gemaakt in onderbestering van kapitaal ten bedrag van 2,3 miljard, miljard rand oor die afgelopen drie jaar. Die vraag is wanneer gaan die achterstand uitgewis word. Volgens Agri Zuid-Afrika het die departement onlangs sekere oplossings voorgestel op kort, medium en lang termijn, waarvan laatstgenoemde die belangrijkste is dier die privaatsector deel van die oplossing te maak. Die belangrijkheid van die privaatsector moet nooit onderskat word nie. Die staat kan nie anders alles self doen nie. Baie dankie. Baie dankie, Agbara Lid. Uh, ACGP, Honorable Sring. Sounds like somebody working for Telkom, calling my surname. Uh, thank you, Honorable House Chair. Uh, Honorable House Chair, the ACDP, in noting the report of the Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises Visits to Transnet Operations in Cape Town, also acknowledges the candid observations and recommendations of the Portfolio Committee. The port of Cape Town continues to face multiple challenges, including insufficient infrastructure investment and poor maintenance, and this contributes to the already substantial delays created by inclement weather. It is often said that wind brings the terminal to a halt and this has a knock-on effect and causes much frustration both up and downstream. While little can be done about the weather, it is clear that insufficient infrastructure investment and poor maintenance has contributed to the challenges at the port of Cape Town. It is no secret that Transnet is struggling to operate optimally. And this is due to a myriad of reasons. The truth be told, and it must be asked which or what percentage of the over 100 SOEs in South Africa is functioning efficiently. The concerns of the portfolio committee captured in the observations and recommendations of this report is best illustrated in a news 24 article in the last quarter of 2021 uh, which states, and I quote, as Transnet's key freight rail divisions continue to struggle, mining companies depending on it for transportation bear the brunt of its operational challenges. Exaro mentioned that export sales in the first half of the year. Uh, Mandela. Okay. I'm very sorry, Honorable Sring. I see. Uh, thank you, House Chair. Let me continue. Exara mentioned that export sales in the first half of the year decreased by 1,821 kilotons, which it largely attributed to the constraints experienced by Transnet freight rail. These challenges range from inadequate locomotive availability, increased cases of cable theft, and vandalism of rail infrastructure. The diversified coal producer said SA exports had lost about 9 million tons of coal exports during the first half of 2021 due to capacity constraints faced by Trans, trans, transnet freight rail. One can only imagine the cost to the rest of the export sector. Now, transport holds a monopoly of the country's key freight rail infrastructure, 
and any bottlenecks in its value chain have a knock-on impact on operations of mining companies. The ACDP calls for acts of vandalism and thefts of key state infrastructure to be classified as acts of treason. For these criminals to be given the harshest punishment possible as their crimes not only help destroy our economy and increase unemployment, but could also potentially cause the death of many innocent I think that certainly um, those who interfere with speakers while they're at the podium should, something needs to be done because Thank it's, you very it's much. intolerable Thank uh, you. that we have to be yeah. face such kind of uh, uh, while we I know. Thank you. Uh, Honorable Chief Whips and Whips of Parties. Honorable Mabika. Mabika. Please. Honorable Mabika. You can't switch on your music. We don't need music now. We are in the house. We are in chamber. Please switch off. You are still on. Please, can the, 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 the whip or the chief whip of Honorable Mabika talk to him on the sides? I know he's a DA member. Yeah. Okay, thank you, ma'am. I'm not calling another member until he has switched off because now, now there will be music. There will be music now. If, if something happened, yes, honorable member? Honorable House Chair, respecting your ruling, but you cannot be held at ransom by a person who's on virtual platform. Just remove that person so that you can be able to continue with the business of the team. Okay. <laughs> let, me, let me also treat everybody the same, but this one, I doubt if he's even nearer the gadget. That's why I'm saying, that I'm sorry for that. Uh, honorable members, we proceed um, to the UDM. Kuban, a state imam. Okay, ATM. Good. Uh, House Chair, we have no declaration. Thank you. Thank you. NFP. AIC. No declaration. Thank you. Cope. No, thank you. EAC, Aljama, the ANC. Uh, House Chair and Honorable Members, an impression is being created here uh, that everything is bad at Transnet. And it is further spread and supported by the people who were not even there when we went for our oversight. It's a challenge. Uh, when people want to say we seem to be focusing on Transnet more than other entities, they should be present when you do this oversight so that they know where we are. 
we are giving an impression here that no, 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 there seems to be a special treatment for Transnet, which is not true. Can we encourage each other uh, members of parliament to be present when we do these oversights? It's part of our work so that we speak from an informed point of view. You would have noted, honorable members, that the report is specific in terms of dates. We went to visit Transnet last year in May. But we are told of an article that was not there when we went to Transnet. It's a new article. It has no bearing on our report. We need to be able to speak to what is necessary and leave what is not necessary. We understand others are going to try to the best of their might to create an impression that we need to privatize. And some have even gone as far as trying to persuade Transnet to use uh, three Stradler machines that are going to be fetched from Namibia, which have a three, life, three years lifespan remaining so that they try and position Transnet in Cape Town as more efficient, which is not the case. They are going to say we must privatize, but already seven beds out of nine are in the private hands, yet there's no improvement in efficiency. So let us not mislead ourselves and members of parliament. We need to find practical solutions to Transnet because Transnet plays a critical role in our economy. Some might want to believe, like, like Honorable Kachala, that COVID is an excuse. COVID is a reality. We've been under lockdown for two years. And when we went there, it was under the same lockdown conditions. And the reality is well documented. There was no movement of goods because of the lockdown global. So in us valuing, evaluating Transnet, it must be borne in mind that there was minimum and limited movement of goods and there was no business happening globally. Learn to shut up, Honorable Kachale. Uh, may I withdraw? House may, I, may I withdraw? Shut up. Withdrawn. Unreservedly. Unreservedly. Uh, Honorable Kwakube. Uh, yes, uh, House Chair. You may sit. You may sit. Okay. I would like to uh, raise your attention that the honourable member on the podium has just used unparliamentary language. Could you please uh, make a ruling on that? Uh, but she is It is true. Shut up. It's unparliamentary. Will you please withdraw? Uh, it, it, it's already withdrawn. True, Madam Chair, that have unreservedly withdrawn. Thank you. Thank you very much. You may proceed. Honorable Kwakube, you may switch off your mic, please. As I proceed. Proceed, Honorable. We do have challenges at Transnet, which were very much presented to us, uh, including cable theft and what everything that we know. But we also have another challenge, which was also presented to us, and it has been presented in other visits as well that of capacity in our railway lines. Uh, as a person who wants to smuggle things uh, in where they don't belong, you would realize uh, that there's a new article as well, which is not part of our oversight. 
but it's an article nonetheless that we do not have more capacity to move uh, minerals like manganese and iron ore on our uh, line from Northern Cape to Sultana. That's a fact. This has a direct impact on our economic growth, but it's not part of our oversight report. We are here to present a report and we want uh, to plead with Parliament to accept and adopt this, this report. This is the business of the day. The rest of the things that we can discuss, we can discuss uh, till not from now till Jesus comes back, if he'll come back. But the core business of the day, let's discuss, let's go through the report. And then no one is saying the report, the report doesn't reflect what transpired. It reflects everything that happened and it reflects what the work that was done. And let us encourage each other to be part and parcel of our oversight visit. It's part of our job. Let us not translate hearsay and speak with authority on things that are not factual. Let us be there and be present. This is what we get paid for. And make noise later. But let's do our work first. I thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh... Thank you, Honorable Jamini. As we proceed, uh, the motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? No objections agreed Please to. the objection of the EFF. Uh, oh, you are noted, uh, Honorable Komani. Any other party? None. The report is agreed to. Uh, before the Honorable Danji takes over the chair, I just know uh, it's Honorable Danji, I said so. Honorable members, on the order, order Honorable members, on the 1st March 2022, during notices of motion, the Honorable G.E. Hendricks of Aljama introduced a notice of a motion that the House debates an investigation into the integrity of the SAHRC Board, Human Rights Commission, based on, on the Commission taking the matter of this South African Jewish Board of Deputies to court on the anti-Zionism comments made by former Kosatu official Mr. Bongani Masuku. In addition, the Honorable Hendricks moved that a new commission should be elected. A point of order was raised by the Honorable Swart from the African Christian Democratic Party concerning the notice of a motion by Honorable Hendricks contending that the Honorable Member had cast aspersions on members of the SAHRC who are appointed by this House. At the time, I undertook to study the recording and revert back to the House with a ruling. Honorable Members, it is clearly stated in, uh, in Rule 88 
that states that in part, in part, not all, no member may reflect upon the competence or integrity of a holder of public office in a state institution supporting constitutional democracy referred to in section 194 of the constitution. Clearly, Honorable Hendricks notice offense against rule 88 and is therefore out of order. And it will not be put on the order paper. Thank you very much. Uh, the next, uh, I wanted the secretary to read the, the next order. I think it's, it's order number seven. Yes. Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprises on oversight visit to ESCOM, the Dupi and Kusile Power Stations, and Safcall. I recognize the honorable. This thing is not I now strong. recognize the honorable Kaya Magata uh, from House the chair, chamber. Point of order. Yes, House Chair, it is. Uh, house Chair, uh, Minister Zulu is repeatedly an interruption in this house, and she once again has her mic unmuted now. And so I ask you please to please make a ruling on her disruptive behavior. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Farube. The point is duly noted. Trust that uh, I will be able to attend to the issues. I now recognize Honorable Kaya Magak. Thank you, Chair. The Portfolio Committee on Public Enterprise is presenting before the National Assembly the report of the oversight visit to ESCOM and SAFCOL for consideration. The oversight visit to ESCOM and SAFCOL occurred from the 21st to the 24th, June 2021. The report was approved by the Portfolio Committee. As common situation has its roots in, among other things, the long lead times of building and the completing coal-fired power plants and the rampant corruption during the heydays of the state capture. The NC-led government, through ESCOM, has undertaken a massive build program to build Metub and Gustile coal fire power plants to increase the generation capacity and address issues of security, of security, the security of electricity supply in the country. Despite these efforts, ESCOM had to implement severe load shedding due to breakdowns and lack of maintenance related issues in the 2020-2021. And this has impacted negatively on household and the economy. The oversight visit to Kosil and Metupi coal-fired power plants were necessitated by ESCOM's declining energy availability factor, and particularly the issue that the massive investment channel towards the construction of these two coal-power plants has not yet responded to the declining EAF. The intention of the oversight 
was to observe and monitor the progress made in terms of completing the Gosirin Metubikol power plants, as well as the socio-economic contribution of this project in the surrounding areas. The committee has noticed some positive program progress with regard to Metubi as the coal-fired power plant was 100% completed, and this had brought some stability to the grid. Moreover, there was relative positive program with regard to Gusile since three out of six units of this coal fire power plants were completed and the remaining three units were scheduled to completion towards the end of 2023. Gusile and Metubi continue to face numerous challenges regardless of progress made. For instance, one of the cited common findings reported by the committee with regard to Syrian Metubi were defects which led to unplanned breakdowns. Uh -huh. Furthermore, the committee has some contractors that were involved in regular contracts, inflated prices in both coal-fired power plants. Another finding, especially in the context of Kusile, was the liquidity of contractors that installed the completion of the remaining three units of the coal power plant. The committee has made several recommendations concerning these findings. Aside from the above-mentioned challenges, the committee has noticed the investment that ESCOM and some contractors pursued aggressively in order to improve the socio-economic outlook of Le Palale and Vet Bank. This is something that is commendable as it ensures improvement of the living conditions of the marginalized people. The oversight visit to Safcol has necessitated by the pressing issue that the entity has the potential to diversify and expand its production and yet the entity has not done so thus far. The stumbling block of to serve calls diversification and expansion of its production was access to plantable land that was under land claims. Moreover, Safcol is attempting to advise to advance the insulated government's beneficiation policy goal of improving its machinery and technology and to develop downstream industries. These were some of the many findings that were observed by the committee. However, Safcol was already putting measures in place to tackle these findings head on. Going further, Safcol plays a critical role in improving the socioeconomic conditions of the surrounding areas of its plantation and operation in Pumalanga through its investments on social, on social infrastructure and the enterprise development initiative. The committee has applauded the work of Safcol and encouraged the entity to expand its investments and include more young people, women, people with disability. The committee will continue monitoring in collaboration with the relevant stakeholders the implementation of this recommendation in this report. The committee has approved this report and submitted to the House for consideration. Chairperson, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Member. Just on time. As there is no list of speakers, I now recognize the Honorable Chief Whip of the Majority Party from the Chamber. Go and sit there, Thank you very much, House uh, Chair. I move that the report be adopted. Thank you, Honorable Chief Whip. I will now recognize political parties wishing to make a, a declaration. The DA. Uh, 
Sir, I was unable to attend the oversight visit due to unavoidable circumstances, which were communicated, this one, which were communicated to the chair and, and accepted by the chair. But I have been comprehensively briefed by my colleague who now serves on another committee. Now, let's attend to the positives first, few as they are. SAFCOL is one of the least prob problematic SOEs, having received a clean audit and is holding its head above water, like, unlike the rest of the sorry bunch. It is bedding down its current offering and has plans, as you've heard, to diversify. And we will follow this with keen interest. One area, however, that requires attention are the plethora of land claims, some outstanding for 20 years. I trust this will receive urgent attention. This is highlighted in the report. With regard to Madupi and Kusile, it is relatively easy to showcase newly built power stations and their sheer size and potential power output is impressive. But as we all know, the reality, the cost, the actual output, and the cumulative effect of the, on the utilities uh, EAF is shocking, to use a favorite word of the president. Perhaps you're unaware that Madupi and Kusile are capable when running at full capacity of cumulatively providing 20%, 25% of our generation's need, our generation needs. Of course, the reality is lamentably different. But the use of local contractors, while not an outlandish idea, needs to be measured against their financial and operational capacity and their competence to deliver. Sadly, this is very often been not the case, a consequence of preferential procurement, cater deployment, crony contracts enabled by BEE, and other insane practices and policies which have got us into this mess. Then there are smaller issues, well, not so small, like the construction of 336 units at Kusile, Zwilcher Township by the Liviero Group that cost some 620 million rands. These units have never been occupied and remain a decaying ghost land. Runaway and hugely excessive costs feeding crony uh, arrangements with the ANC at these two power stations, commissioned with much funfare, have actually underperformed and remain unable to generate a full load with ongoing and frequent planned and unplanned outages. So the real question is why are we unable to get a real understanding of the problems at these power stations? Why are we fed platitudes in committee when we suffer a death by thousands of PowerPoint pricks that obfuscate the real issues and shield culprits from culpability? Why are we presented on oversight with a fraction of the real problems that beset the utility's capacity to provide affordable and available electricity to residents, businesses, and industry? Given the effect, of our economy, given the effect on our economy, which is poised to grow at a paltry 1.8% this year, and the increased demand that that will have on electricity availability, we need to be have more robust oversight that answers questions in full in a full and transparent manner, enabling the integration of interrogation of plans and profit solutions. Where are the gaps, the costings, and the timelines? What is the transparency around contracts and costs? Without these. We can continue the charade in committee and oversight junkets, and the, and the country which we are paid to serve will be no wiser.
Enough of this command and control, and let's get to the heart of the problem. Now, let me share to you why I'm wearing one of my favorite frayed ties today. It has little pigs on it. And the reason that I wore it today is to demonstrate the point that you can't put lipstick on a pig. You've got to tell the truth in a transparent and proper fashion. I thank you. Thank you, BFF. Thank you very much, House Chair. BFF. Thank you very much, House Chair. Chairperson, let us acknowledge the report by Safcall. However, we want to put on record that we are not impressed by the failure of the Minister of Public Enterprise to engage with other departments in the, in, in the land beneficiation of, of, of the people. That should place the, uh, the, the, the people and assist them in terms of development. Chairperson, there is no dispute that the construction of Midupi and Kusile as mega infrastructures was undertaken by people who asked themselves, how can we eat instead of asking themselves, what can we do to ensure that our people have affordable and reliable electricity? The project took longer than they should have. We spent more money than we should have. The work was compromised by poor workmanship, corruption, and lack of political oversight and accountability because everyone was busy eating. It has come, it has become a tradition, Chair. Every year, the portfolio committee go to Midupi and Kusile, come back and write the same report. It has now turned into a fanfare event for members of the parliament. We must complete Midupi and Kusile build, and uh, we must complete Midupi and Kusile program. And soon all units must come online. The sooner the better. Although this power station may not perform at the plant level, they are still an essential part of South Africa's generation capacity. We must do away with the idea that South Africa is going to move away from the coal because some guy called Biden in America, bought by American imperialist finance monopolists, think they have right to decide the policies to the rest of the, of the world when they themselves continue to rely heavily on fossil fuels. At our own pace, with our own security, technology, research, and political will, we must find a balanced mix between renewable source of energy, nuclear, and clean technology for coal. We know that the ruling party does not have the capacity or political will to stand for this because they continue to harass our people and environment in Kolobane. Therefore, the EFF rejects this report. Thank you very much. Thank you, the IFP. Thanks, uh, Chair, Chairperson, uh, or Board of Chairperson, I'm sorry. Uh, the opportunity cost of Medubi and Wusile power stations is beyond all stretch of the imagination. South Africa is heavily dependent on these two coal uh, fire power stations. This in an age when South Africa should be investing heavily into new renewable energy supply, not only to starve off climate change, reduce um, our dependence on fossil fuels and to fall into step with uh, what we have agreed internationally, but most importantly, to create sustainable green energy and keep the literal lights on for current and future generations. 
the decade ago, oh, sorry, a decade ago, the rent value of uh, opportunity cost was estimated to be between 6.3 billion rands and, and 10.7 billion rands per year. What are the current figures through you, Chairperson, to the Honourable Minister and, the, and have the surrounding communities and SMEs, SMMEs benefit fit, fitted in terms of job creation, skills development and transformation in, the, in, in general? Why are we still importing parts re required? Why aren't we, and these are being manufactured locally? Why are substandard uh, boiler being, boilers being uh, used, which are reducing productivity and efficiency at the power stations? Why are standard operating uh, procedures not being followed? Redesigning um, at the stage only indicates poor planning and design force that uh, should have been uh, identified when the project was uh, started. Who will be held to account for this? Another question is the amount of graft that is at best painstakingly slow, at uh, worst not being uh, investigated and prosecuted uh, at all. Chairperson, Medupi and Wusile are concrete examples of uh, how this government uh, conducts its, uh, its uh, infrastructure bills. As scenarios like uh, this play out time and again uh, with government uh, build projects, they remain a burden on the taxpayer as well as act against the best socioeconomic interest of the citizens of South Africa. The IFP will support the report subject to, the, to all concerns and recommendations being actioned. I thank you. Thank you. I now recognize FF Plus. Achbare huisvoorzitter, en mens moet nou nie een verslag verwerp net omdat dit die naam Eskom of Medupi of Kusile inbevat nie, want dit kan welke goeie verslag wees en dan moet die mens dit ondersteun. Ongelukkig is hierdie nie een goeie verslag nie, want een goeie verslag hoort op sy eie bene te kan staan en vir die waarnemer of die leeser te sê wat is gesien, wat het gebeur, wat leid daarachter en sadly this report does not do that. In the first place, the report is really very old news. Uh, a little bit less than two years ago, the committee visited Medupi and uh, Kusile, and only now do we consider the report. Uh, There's the question of what lay after the problem. That word glad not verduidelik nie. Kom ons vat onszelf net terug na 2007 toe. Ons het net ons eerste ervaring gehad met beerkrag en toekom een nieuwe getransformeerde ESCOM met nieuwe technologie en nieuwe krachtstaties en hulle gaan die wereld wijs hoe kan kracht opgewekt word met meer doeltreffende stoomketels, meer doeltreffende turbines, want die klomp gemors wat die oude ESCOM altijd gebruik het kan nou vervang word met nieuwe goeie Japanese technologie. Maar toe werd dit niet. Want toen dit in 2015 moet klaar wees, toen is het nog lang niet klaar. Nie. 
In 2019 het die vorige directeur van technologie by Eskom een open brief geskryf en gesê, sy kennis van die steenkool van Zuid-Afrika en die gehalte van Zuid-Afrikaanse steenkool, laat hom dink. Hy het geen contact met Eskom nie, hy het geen contact met Kusile of met Doepie nie, maar hy dink die probleme is X, Y en Z. En het gaan daar ook weer dat ons steenkool eindelijk baie stadig en baie moeilik brand. En dat dit beteken dat buitenlandse technologie nie geskik is om ons steenkool te verbrand en daarmee kracht op te werk nie. Now back to the report. We get Chief all the list of things Chief we Chief are worked on. We are disadvantaged in terms of the language. The interpreters, probably the virtual interpretation is not possible or what? I don't know. Just just pause, honorable member. Can can take a seat. Can IT attend to that urgently? Inter translation, please. Do we do have translation? Th th thank you, thank you. Let's proceed. I'll even try to use some uh, English because I have only 40 seconds left and I think I have enough English for 40 seconds. Um, when we see this report, it lists uh, a, a few things which are reworked, which are repurposed in these uh, power stations. And that is exactly the list that the ex-director of technology uh, suggested should be done. Now we have a... Uh, two power stations which should have been completed by 2015 but in 2021 it was nearly complete and then it exploded after the report it should have costed 160 million uh, billion dollars but it does 450 billion dollars uh, rands and it should have worked at 80 percent of capacity but now it's at 70 percent and sadly my time and my english is gone thank you the ACDP. Thank you. Thank you, House Chair. House Chair, I must say, Mr. Bosov makes some very interesting points, and I commend him on his English as well. I think when one actually has regard to this report, it does raise a number of very interesting aspects, and one does Bear in mind that the report was tabled on the 29th of November 2021, and that's an interesting date because three years prior to that, on the 28th of November 2018, the Public Enterprises Committee of the previous parliament tabled its extensive oversight report into ESCOM. And I represented the ACDP in that inquiry, and a lot of the evidence that we heard of malfeasance, corruption, was then referred to the Zondo Commission, which has been dealt with by it. Now, what is good news? Good news arising from the report and arising from subsequent developments. Yesterday, I'm reporting from a Justice Committee perspective, the National Prosecuting Authority, arising from state capture, took a preservation order against Optimum Coal Mine and the Optimum Coal uh, Terminal. Now, that was at the heart of the problems at ESCOM, and it cannot be ignored. And this, was the, this is the biggest success in the NPA's history, 3.4 billion rand preservation order 
of a Gupta company, Tegata, and if you read the research and will come out in the findings, this is to be commended. However, getting back to this report, which is to a large degree uh, very useful in as much as it refers to a number of aspects related to cost overruns, and yes, Mr. Boss, of those issues were have been raised previously, but I think what the, is um, highlighted here is the cost overruns have resulted in increased load shedding, which is implicated and referred to in this committee report. Now, what is also very interesting is when it comes to the report on the Kasulia issue, the committee states categorically that it is appalled by wasteful expenditure that was incurred in various aspects, including the um, costs of the project for the artisans escalate from 260 million to 800 million, that it appreciates the steps that have been taken to blacklist companies to recover funds that have been lost. And that example I gave of the Tegata uh, preservation order is an attempt to recover those funds. And what is amazing, and I think the committee also highlights this, is that ESCOM has not got a water use license for Kusile. How can you have a power station of that size without a water use license? And then the focus on the conveyor belt is to be welcomed as opposed to trucks riding the coal. And so from the ACDP's perspective, we will support this report. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you. The United Democratic Movement. Chair, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm launching Father Christmas. United Democratic Movement supports the report. Chairperson, I think there are several issues that require serious consideration and attention. The first one obviously has to do uh, with the fact that I don't think, I think uh, managers would be conflicted somewhat when they are expected to uh, investigate uh, uh, cost escalations in projects, as some of them might have benefited from that. We need a broader yes, we need a broader investigation to check because the cost escalations, as we know, if we are saying we had a problem with state capture in the past, I am sure there are people who benefited from those cost escalations. And the the other issue is I don't understand why, for example, here in South Africa, when Numbanu Bukrima and the CEOs Bezim Nyama Besnola could publish any qualifications about doubt, you know, by was English. When the current CEO, because I'm sure Pefuna come across as being very condescending at times and patronizing on TV when explaining the issue of load shedding, he gets away with it. Science and our post office lamlung were run out to the ground because I'm shop and and it is correct. The other issue here has to do with local contractors. Over the past couple of years, I've dealt with many complaints partner where about the city by by the subcontractors in particular. Ubabasuke case the ten Ubabasuke Eastern Cape by Teti Lumes Genesongapa. Did that an abandon to a long and Teti Nani? 
bamane be city abantu bakuti xa befika phana e city de 30 xhosa ukuthi awungowalapha awuzuphangela ukuthi 30 sizulu akhutshwe emsebenzini kufaka umuntu wasenansikeni ibe ngathi ayingobantu basemzansi Africa kuyafuneka lonto siza county singakumbi ezinansika the other issue here has to do with the arrogance of the board guys come all the time you will recall chairperson was standing committee on appropriations that even when we went to them they did not come to one of our meetings where to postpone it because they were not present but when we had to give them a special appropriations they were all present here in parliament bafika begilana ngamadolo apa bengathi singothi qoba semhlabeni bafuna imali once imali ingabikho basibona amaphinde bangasibonisa it's an issue with most of these entities where they start only seriously obviously if we don't consider the impact in the long run is ipps on the financial sustainability skyscomes because the taxpayers made a lot of investment powered fire stations and landed minister so whether they like it or not it's a just and a slow transition because the country if Thank you. Thank you. The ATM. ATM. Put. A half chair with no declaration. Thank you. NFP. Thank you, House Chair. The National Freedom Party notes the report of the Portfolio Committee and welcome its recommendations. House Chair, these two power stations have legacy issues that have paralyzed this country over the years. It is frustrating that there is hardly anything positive to say about ESCOM. Words like incompetence, incapacity, corruption, irregular expenditure, fruitless and wasteful expenditure, are deeply associated with this entity and its power station. One is almost certain that we sound like a broken record to have the public when we shed light these issues in this house. The NFP shares the sentiments of the portfolio committee on wasteful expenditure that occurred with the incomplete project to bid flats to artisans. The construction of the flats did not serve the people's and have seen costs escalating from 260 million to 800 million. The contractor involved in the construction of the flats was Niviro PTY LTD. It is really disturbing that there are companies awarded contracts worth millions to billions but cannot deliver. Yet, monies have been paid, but our people and businesses are suffering greatly from high electricity tariffs and load shedding. House Chair, have you noticed? how companies that end up being incompetent to deliver, <clears throat> excuse me, are often paid within the prescribed period. But those that do the work and deliver are always at the back of the queue to receive their payment from SOEs and departments. South Africa needs to start having an honest and open conversation about its direction. Let us not leave this up to the government anymore. Let us stand up, Thank you. Independent Congress, COPE, PAC, Aljama, and now recognize the African National Congress. Good afternoon, uh, Honorable House Chair, 
Let me acknowledge the Chief Whip of the Majority Party, Honorable Pemi Majodina. Um, quickly, dear, you can keep your time in here. I don't think it's a problem. See, what becomes a problem is not when you are here in the oversight and the next thing you come and re rehearse other speeches. Here it's about the report that we did in oversight last year. You refer to, however, all these things that you mentioned has no reference to this debate, but it's fine, it's allowed. Now we go to UDM. Yes, you might have issues with the skin color, what have you. I'm sure you can find a better way where you can put it. And next time, speak it in English so that others can also hear it. I think it's quite important. I hear you, I don't have a problem, but I think it's quite important to do that. And speak it in English. And by the way, Board of ESCOM doesn't have a problem. It always comes to the Portfolio Committee of Public Enterprise and its minister and deputy minister. So if you need them, call us. We can really give them to you. They've never given us an attitude that you relate, so it's unfortunate. I think what's important for me, the IFP, I think something that Ngozi says about the issue of land claims is quite important. Honorable Squatcher is here. I think it's something that, because of our committee, it is there in so far as our report, is something that you really have to look into in terms of your department collaboration and this matter must be attended uh, with the agency it deserves. I think that's something positive I gathered. The rest, hello. All right, uh, as, as public enterprise, uh, we want to table to you our oversight visit that we did and really definitely for ESCOM, Kusilia and Midupi power stations and Safco, Highfield and Bumalanga operations, the oversight visit to ESCOM and occurred uh, from the 21st, 22nd, June 2021. And the one for Safco occurred from the 23rd, 24th, June 2021, respectfully. Since 2007, the NC-led government has incurred investment costs aimed at addressing power infrastructure, needs a new generation capacity to meet the increasing electricity demand in South Africa. Kosil and Midubi, the third and the fourth largest coal fire uh, power plants in the world with a combined capacity around 9.6 gigawatts, will add a value to ESCOM installed generation capacity once all the units of this coal fire power plants are brought in line and subsidized Consequently, increase the uh, supply electricity. Although government investment and private funding, which has led to ESCOM increased debt and debt to equity ratio, was made available for the development of Kusil and Midubi due to delays. Both coal fired power plants took longer to complete at the time when there was a strong demand for electricity from millions of previously marginalized South Africans who are now connected on the national grid. The oversight visit to Kusil and Midubi were undertaken with the aim of ascertaining the causes of delays in the completion of these coal-fired plants, as well as the socio-economic contribution, Kachalia, particularly transformative initiatives such as support to small and medium enterprises, skills development and job creation of this project in the area that they are located. With regards to Midubi, the building of coal-fired power plant was 100% complete and the estimated cost was one. 45.6 billion, but the actual money spent was 123 billion, and something that we also noted as the portfolio committee as of May 2021. In June 2021, the headcount of Midubi was constituted by 2,499 um, contractor employees and 301 ESCOM employees. This, this was significant decline from 16,797 employees in 2010. 
2013, while Midubi was 100% complete, there was outstanding work to be done inside and outside the coal-fired power plant, including uh, but not limited to the rectification of the boiler defects, resolving um, uh, the AVR's fault and the completion of ash disposal and coal stockyards facilities, which were partly responsible for the persistent decline in the performance of Midubi. Now, I want to quickly uh, respond to the issue around uh, the number of buildings that really took place uh, with regards to Midubi. Now, with regards to Kusile, uh, three units, one to three, were completed between August and 2017 and May 2021, whereas the remaining units, four to six, were expected to be completed between June 2022. So you can wait. It's June 22. So we're going there. So FF Plus, look forward to it. With reference to units four to six, so you will see check it in June uh, if it's there. Ascertain that the three main causes of delays were COVID-19 and it is a reality two years it took us so it really took the department aback. The impact of contractors going into liquidation and business rescue and, and the delays in the turnaround time for procurement cycle however progress on the ongoing units was above 90% and this served as an indication that Kosile will reach its full potential and probably reduce ESCOM cost on running the diesel department Dependent open cycle gas turbines in 2023. I want to go quickly to Southcall and I want to say to Southcall at this point, we've really noted the progress Southcall has done and indeed it becomes a very stable uh, entity at this point. It is really recorded over a quarter four million and 7.3 million a year. South Coal at 68% shareholder compact targets that have been reached to date and 80% targets report about 166 million profits that we've logged in with South Coal due to favorable log and number of market share. And I think that's something that we need to comment South Coal. We can clap hands for South Coal. Come on. They keep on saying everything is wrong with SOEs. South Coal is a good story that we are dealing with. So at this point, with regards to it, the committee has visited the NTT plantations, such as Belfast Plantation, and the key takeaways from this was Safcom has not yet advanced the ANC-led government's beneficiation policy goal in the sense that there was limited investment in the manufacturing and exporting of finished products going further. Safcom also struggles to get access to plantable and land to expand its production and create more job opportunities. Hence, we're saying that this is one of the areas that would want to uh, employ DPE to work with the rural development to ensure this becomes a reality. South Coal was committed to the investment in Samuel's plants and the committee engaged landowners claimants including Mapulane tribe to respond to the beneficiation and land access challenges. Apart from these challenges, South Coal has contributed to a socio-economic development in the surrounding communities of its plantations and operations in Bumalanga. For an example, South Coal has built Harmony Hill Cleaning uh, for the community the committee supports and I take it. Thank you. Honorable members, the motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? Let us Objection noted. Any other objection? No objections. The report is agreed to. Thank you. The eighth order. The secretary will read the eighth order. Consideration of report of Portfolio Committee on Transport on the 2021-2022 first quarter expenditure of Department of Transport. 
And now I recognize uh, Honorable Zwane from the chamber. Thank you, Chair, for allowing me to introduce the report of the Portfolio Committee on Transport on the 2020-2021 fourth quarter expenditure of the Department of Transport, dated the 17th of August 2021. The report of, on the Department's 2020-2021 fourth quarter expenditure was adopted by the Portfolio Committee on the 17th of August 2021. In 2021, the main allocation of the Department of Transport stood at 62 billion rent, which was subsequently reduced to 57.4 billion rent during the supplementary budget. <clears throat> during the same period, the Department underspent by 291.9 million of the allocated budget. The underspending can be attributed to the following factors. COVID-19 pandemic, non-filling of vacant funded posts, less traveling and less take legal. Pause, Honorable Zwane. Just take a, take a seat, Honorable Zwane. Honorable members, <coughs> we cannot hear the member introducing this report. You are not heckling or interjecting, interjecting. You are speaking aloud, which is not allowed. We will not repeat that. Honorable Zwane, please continue. Thank you, Chair. Less traveling and less legal advisory services, to mention just but a few factors. Whilst we all can understand that little could be done to mitigate the effects of COVID-19 pandemic, the committee believes that a lot could have, could have been done to fill the funded critical posts as this is a matter emanating from a few years. The matter at hand has a negative impact if left unattended by the Department of Transport, as it does not only have a negative impact on spending, but a direct impact on service delivery also. The department has scored high in terms of its key performance areas, though the committee felt that the department could have done more as a number of critical projects in different programs could not be implemented. This will include, but not limited to projects that would have improved the state of our roads, especially rural roads. The committee further noted that the above score, although much appreciated, did not translate to the, actually to the actual delivery on the ground as part of the deliverables were ransacked by criminals, especially in the rail sector. The department has to deal with the next to non security existence in all our sector and avoid the further loss of infrastructure in the rail sector. While Sandral has done well in maintaining roads under its jurisdiction, the committee acknowledges. Same cannot be said about most of the provincial roads, which are not falling under Sandra. A lot of work has to be done by the department in this regard. 
This report therefore seeks accountability from an oversight over the department and therefore makes important recommendations like the department needs to report on a quarterly basis on the progress made in addressing vacancies. It also seeks the key performance areas to be linked to social delivery and the results must be seen in improvements in the transport system on the ground. While the department has done much progress under difficult conditions with the transport sector dysfunctional during the COVID-19 pandemic, this report reflects that there is still much work to be done by the department in ensuring efficiency and effectiveness, thereby creating an affordable transport system. The committee seeks for such progress constantly as that is what our people voted for in the first place, a better life for all. The committee hopes that this report will also be adopted by the National Assembly, including the committee's observations. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. I now recognize the Honorable Chief Whip of the Majority Party from the Chamber. Thank you. I will now recognize political parties wishing to make a declaration. I'll start with the DA. Uh, as chair, insight of what transpired in the budget cycle since quarter one till now provides the unique opportunity to evaluate and comment on whether this startup of the 2021-22 transport budget cycle was impactful or not. This year also marks 10 years since the launch of the NDP and nine years before the deadline of the commitment of this ANC government to effectively address poverty and reduce inequality. 2022 being the halfway mark towards realizing Vision 2030 in creating a decent standard of living for all. In this quest, transport has been earmarked as the crucial enabler and vital game changer. Each budget cycle and expense evaluation therefore should be measured as a building block of Vision 2030. In addition, the Portfolio Committee is entrusted with not only budgets, but also considerations of strategic and annual performance plans, including all the entities that fall within the control of the Department of Transport. Fixing roads should be central in the aspiration to improve people's lives, given the fact that unlocking opportunities are closely related to mobility. Budget allocations to the three spheres of government would therefore be core in, for example, fixing surfaces and potholes. While most budget and expense reports would show 100% spent and 100% of KP targets achieved, a huge underlying discrepancy has been created. Sunroll looks after 21,000 kilometers of road, and in five years, their budget increased with a staggering 12 billion rand. On the other hand, our nine provinces combinedly look after 273,000 kilometers of road, yet their combined budget to fix roads increased by a mere 4 billion rand. Sunroll is favored. 
Put differently, in the last five years, Sunrail's available budget to fix roads has increased by 600,000 rands per kilometer, while the budget increase for the combined provinces enlarged by uh, only 18,000 rands per kilometer, both over the same last five years. Minister Mbalula, you and your department cannot be serious about fixing roads, poverty and inequality when it is clear that you are favoring sunroll and ditching the ordinary vehicle user. You cannot be serious about creating an enabling economic environment when truckers need to drive next to the road to save a tire and struggle to be on time with the delivery. The ANC has deserted road users. Minister, you get irritated with me when I say you slipped up in renewing the security contracts and protection services to guard our railway infrastructure around August 2019. This being months before COVID and lockdown when most trains were running and the rail infrastructure functional. Without protection, billions of rail infrastructure was stolen and vandalized to gloom. Fact is that this has forced millions of people Take a pause. Uh, please, please pause. Take a seat. Please take a seat. Sergeant at Arms and ICT, please remove Honorable Anastia. Mutaung, please remove him. Thank you very much. Go ahead, uh, Honorable Member. Thank you, Elschi. Without protection, billions of rail infrastructure were stolen and vandalized to gloom. Fact is that this has forced millions of people to use much more of their expenses into public transport. On average, 40% more of disposable household income now goes towards traveling costs. Before, this was spent on family, children, nutrition, and making a home of a house. This, while not only process employees without transport as a means to get to work, shamefully, Prasa currently operates with seven road vehicles for every moving train. The ANC has deserted the passenger and the rail commuter. Similar and more examples can be made about aviation, maritime and general public transport. Any statement, therefore, by the ANC of transport being the backbone of the economy should be measured by the spineless manner which it is managed in. Transport as the potential can only be realized and fixed by the DA in government and in control of budget and all expenses. I thank you. The EFF. Thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, the, the chairperson, the failure of the Department of, Transfer, uh, of Transport to fill vacancies has become the norm. It is no wonder that out of the 35 targets that the department has set for uh, themselves, only 26 were achieved. How does the transport department of, or any other department for that matter function with 173 vacant posts? The department is chronically handicapped and cannot even meet the targets they have set for themselves. The Shova Kalula bicycle program 
program was ordered was rolled out on 2001. Just pause, honorable, just pause, honorable member, honorable Chabalala. Thank you so much, House Chair. I did raise my hand, my darling. Thank you. House Honorable Chair. member, Honorable Chawala. Oh, yes, yes, yes. My Honorable, yes, Deputy Chief Whip. Uh, House Chair, I was just raising this on point of order that the member of the EFF, if they can switch off their mic, I think their uh, camera is a bit disturbing in terms of following, but we can see that he's using transport. But if you can switch off the mic so that we can concentrate the video rather. Yeah, uh, thank, thank, thank you, you Honorable Chabalala. Uh, please reposition yourself and your camera and go and go ahead. Please go ahead, honorable member. The Shova Kalula bicycle the Shova Kalula bicycle program was rolled out in 2001 with an aim to deliver one million bicycles by 2030. 21 years later, only 100,000 bicycles have been uh, delivered so far. It means that by the time the ruling party delivers the last bicycle to the uh, deserving recipients of this program, many would have not uh, would have got married, raised families, or dead. The ANC government boasts about having introduced scholar transport, but thousands of school children in the uh, rural area of Basulu Natal and the Eastern Cape, let alone Free State are still waiting long distance to school, are still uh, working long distance to school. The taxi industry was promised by the Minister of Transport that the subsidy for the minibus taxis will be implemented by 2021 April. But there is no mention of the formalization of the taxi industry in the report. The failure of the ANC government to pro uh, provide a safe reliable, accessible, and affordable public transport is once again evident as there are areas where the most affordable and uh, mover of millions of commuters is not uh, functioning. Poor South Africans are spending a bigger portion of their hard-earned income on expensive transport. We know that the blame will be shifted to looters or rail uh, tracks. Before the ruling party does that, they must tell us uh, as to how much Prasa spends on security and why the looting of rail tracks continues unabatedly despite the security measures that are in place. The EFF therefore rejects the report with intent. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Makosini Chabango. I now recognize uh, the IFP, Keto Akestol. <laughs> uh, thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. This department need to address the main shortcoming of our transport sectors in South Africa. Recently, the minister informed Scopa of, of the 3,000 3, cost employees that Praza was paying another government and grand corruption schemes. This report did with a period in which all South Africans were suffering. Due to extended period of lockdowns, 
our economy was in decline and expenditure by government was reprioritized. The high volume of cost employees cannot be swept under carpet. We therefore call for a full investigation of all implication parties with the full implication of law. The poor of this country, the people of this country cannot continue any longer under this administration and department a lack of will in dealing with corruption. The cost of transportation is rising, the point where all South Africans are being shocked by high associated cost, as well as the generally increase in cost of living as a result. If there was no corruptions, government could be able to ease the burden of poor consumers and businesses. They would be able to subsidize fuel, transportation costs, and transport taxes. We would not have to spend such a large amount of our income on transport. Government would also be able to provide some relief of, of toll road fees, which also had add to high cost of living. While we are discussing all toll roads, we must mention the, the promises made by the minister and the premier of Gauteng that they will find a model of scrapping it tolls entirely. Again, with corruptions, programs such as this could not be paid for by government. The minister must commit to a date now and tell us where will he hear what the intent do about the e-tolls. Before the public has become frustrated and forced into answers on their terms. Finally, the issues of non-payment of successful claims to road accident fund need to be resolved. With immediate effect, there are a number of complaints by people who have been notified on their successful claims, yet still to be paid out. Once again, the minister must brief us on reason as to why these claims have not been circled. The IFP do support the report. Thank you. <laughs> FF Plus. Thank you, Chairperson. I've got a connection problem, so I won't use the video. Gedeerne die 2021-2022 begroting is bedrag van 66.7 miljoen aan die departement van vervoer toegekend. Die departement van vervoer is verantwoordelijk voor verskye entiteite en as gevolg van die verval sal bovenmelde bedrag op die stadium nie genoeg weer. Jammer, funksionering van die entiteit toe. Die rede is dat infrastructuur verouderd en vernietig is en onderhoud nie op een gereelde basis geskiet het nie. In baie geval is poste nie eens gevul nie wat een belangrike rol kon speel om beter beheer toe te pas. Die fonds is beskikbaar, maar die departement sleep voete met die aanstellings. Dit is wel bekend dat lande met een goeie vervoerstelsel ook van die rijkste lande ter wereld is. Ons vervoerstelsel het die afgelopen jare so verswak dat het moeilik sal wees om dit weer in een goeie werkende toestand te kry. Een goeie vervoerstelsel is die slaghaard van een groeiende economie en daarbij tot verskye ontwikkelings om maar net toerisme as voorbeeld te noem wat een van die grootste werkgevers is in Suid-Afrika. Wat padvervoer betref is sanner al werkelijke uitsondering en lichtpunt dier dat hulle die nationale paaie in een goeie toestand hou. Op provinciale vlak is die meeste paaie in een swak toestand en word die fondse wat aan provincies toegekend word nie vir daar die doel aangewend nie. 
Dit sal goed wees, as Sanderal ook daar die funksie kan oorneem. Swak paie belemmer ekonomische groei en op die gebied van landbouw leid die boere miljoene rande se skade as gevolg van swak infrastruktuur. Duisende rande word aan die kerstel van voertuie besteed wat boere eenvoudig nie kan bekostig nie. Vruchte boere leid ook miljoene rande skade mens kneesing van hulle vruchte op die swak paie, die geld om landbouwers eerder gebruik het om meer werk te verskap. Die goedkoopste manier van reis in Zuid-Afrika is betrein, maar wees die swak omstandighede waar die treinstelsel om bevind, skakel passasiers oor na padvervoer wat Zuid-Afrika juist nie wil heen nie. Die grootste oorzake vir, vir die swak toestand is diefstal, verouderde infrastructuur en beheer. Elektrische kabels word daag gesteel en daar word nie genoeg gedoen om dit te verhoed nie. Wat dan veroorzaak dat al hoe minder treine beskikbaar is, die tendens word die tendens word dis oor Zuid-Afrika waargeneem, sekuriteitbeamtes is nie die oplossing nie, en die Fruitsfront het al verskye kere in die portefeuillecomitee daarop gewys dat daar teruggekeer moet word na die spoorwegpolisie. Om, op een besoek aan Mamelodi is daar gevinde daar onder normale omstandighede 45 treine per dag beskikbaar is, Tijdens ons bezoek het slechts zelf dieseltreinen per dag geloop als gevolg van die feit dat elektrische treinen weens kabeldiefstal niet gebruikt kon word nie. Dit plaas net meer financiële druk op die armen in ons land. Indien die regering ernstig om weg te beweeg van padvervoer naar spoor, zal daar dringend opgetreemd worden. Die verval van spoorwegstaties is skokkend en is maar net een bewijs dat sekuriteitbeamtes nie die antwoord... The honorable member's time has expired. Thank you. Thank you. The ACTP. The ACDP doesn't have a declaration to make. Thank you. Thank you. UDM. ATM. Good. Uh, no declaration. Thanks, Chair. NFP. Thank you, House Chair. The National Freedom Party welcomes and notes the report of the Portfolio Committee. We want to find out what the department is doing about distracting e-hailing drivers. In Pretoria, a firearm believed to belong to a police officer who was not on duty at the time was discharged. Fortunately, no one was hurt. But House Chair, we want to shed light on more important issues around the e-hailing services offered by Bold. We have received so many complaints and allegations from women all over the country who have been attacked, robbed, raped, and killed while using Bold services. There may be others, but the quantity and the quality of allegations that have come from bold users are disturbing. Yet the country is silent on this matter. A female bold user shared her experience on her social media recently saying, I quote, a bold driver raped my friend last night. He strangled her half to death and took her virginity. Bold doesn't care about our safety. Their Instagram page is filled with people complaining about assault and they have done nothing about it, unquote. Miss Anelem Dota requested to have the CEO of Bolt on her morning radio show to discuss these many allegations. We as parliament, we need to start taking this matter seriously and do something about it. We can share so many of these allegations with, with House, but more importantly, Bold must be summoned to parliament to account for these allegations and what was doing about it and what it is doing about them. All relevant stakeholders must be part of this engagement. This is a matter of utmost importance and we are calling on the Department of Transport in partnership with SAPS to begin a process to look into this. Otherwise, 
another protest may be coming. I thank you, House Chair. Thank you, Independent Congress, COPE, PAC, Aljama. I now recognize the African National Congress. Thank you, House Chairperson. Uh, Chief Whip, Ministers, Deputy Ministers, Honorable Members, Colleagues, uh, Tasha, uh, fellow South Africans. Thank you for the opportunity, House Chair, to stand before this August House. On behalf of the African National Congress, we support this report that has been tabled here in this House. This report is the report that has been presented to the Portfolio Committee, which is a 2021-2022 first quarter <coughs> report. It is not what many of my colleagues stood here and spoke about. Whilst they were raising a couple of important issues, but I think it's important that colleagues understand what are we here for. Uh, it is a first quarter report of the 2021-2022 financial year. And I think uh, Honorable Tasha on my left will help in doing some induction of what we are supposed to do. My colleague in the National Freedom Party, NFP, I think the first thing you should do is to attend committee meetings. It will really assist you because you will not come here and tell us about e-hailing service strikes and everything because that is not the matter we are debating. Are we not concerned about what's happening? Yes, we are. But maybe you should propose a debate that we can go all of us and debate the similar things so that you don't talk about e-hailing while we are talking about a quarter report. So we truly appreciate the things you are raising, but they are irrelevant for the debate today or here. My colleague in the Freedom Front Plus, Honorable May, uh, I think, yes, a couple of things. He has been very passionate about what's happening there. And again, to my colleague, I think maybe out of frustration, those issues should not be raised in the quarter report that is here. I'm sure there is ample time. At least you attend portfolio committee and you raise all these things. To my colleague, uh, Honorable Sitole, and I think my colleague, uh, Honorable Hunsinger, they raised the issue of cost of transport, which I think all of us agree uh, about, and it's something that the portfolio committee is seized with. And in this report, it's some of the things that are highlighted as concerns that the department should be addressing. To my colleague, Honorable Shabangu, who I really like, he loves transport because even when he comes to make a declaration, he is in a mode of transport. There can be no further passion than that one to show that you are really in a portfolio committee of transport. And um, I think it raises some fundamental issue 
of scholar transport once more the report deals with that now how share the the report really or the department has got seven programs which is where we should have been talking to as colleagues and uh, the issue of the administration the filling of positions the chairperson has highlighted we implore the department to really fast track the issue of filling of positions the issue of integrated transport planning which many know as the brt also has been a concern in that year the spending was in that quarter 12.5 percent lower than projected what is of concern is that these projections are projections set by the department nobody sets projections for them so we expect them to adhere to the projections that they've set for themselves so we continue to monitor that rail transport a lot has been said about rail and uh, we remain concerned about what's happening within the space of prasa and the move from rail as my colleague honorable may said from road to rail is something that we implore the department to seriously take to heart the issue of road transport once more there was a 1.1 percent lower expenditure than projected and amongst others we were told that there are slow spending in the road traffic infringement agency or arto we call on the department to look into allegations of board members who are paying themselves huge amounts of money by uncalled for board meetings civil aviation has been hit by covid but we are impressed that there is quite a good move although they spent 18.1% less than projected and the story goes on maritime 56% underspending which is quite a lot whilst there is no jobs and we need to revive the economy public transport once more 13.9% in this quarter of underspending is something that we need to attend to and i'm still in parliament <laughs> yeah in conclusion chairperson we have noted as the portfolio committee that the department spent 21.9 in uh, in conclusion chairperson the portfolio committee on transport point of order sir is it parliamentary to promote nepotism in the house thank you honorable squatcher go ahead honorable magnu Thank you, thank you, uh, House Chair. In conclusion, as the Portfolio Committee on Transport, having considered the first quarter report of 2021-2022, noted regrettably that the department didn't spend 21.9% on 
of its available budget. And um, that has been attributed to a couple of things we have already alluded to. The African National Congress supports this report. Thank you, House Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Magno. Honorable members, the motion is that the report be adopted. Are there any objections? No, no objections, report uh, agreed to. That concludes the business for the day and the house is adjourned. Thank you. Long live the house chair.